All right, it's that time of the year again, last Saturday of September. Always on the last Saturday of September is International 100,000 Poets and Musicians for Change Day, where in over 100 countries there will be over 1,000 events of art by artists of all kinds. This is uh, our little piece of it, this radio show. It's the sixth year we've been doing it. Got a lot of great people here, more coming. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. If we can write our needs on a flag and get them seen up above the horizon, we can demand this. We can brand this. We can step to those motherfuckers and say, we know you've planned this. Now you've got to unhand this. This, that, and the other. That list on our banner, it's no idle dis. We've got to have this, because our mode now is live free or die. That's no catchphrase. Not some angry phase. Stone cold reality. Live free or die. Food, water, medicine, shelter. Otherwise we're sharing Tate and Helter Skelter. Food, water, medicine, shelter. Live free or die. That's the way it is in 2017. Okay, I like so. I like that. That was awesome. That Thank was you. really awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we're off. Uh, we're going to be going for uh, three or four hours. We'll see how it goes. Uh, our first guest is uh, Eve Barra and Jack, a.k.a. The Thought. Um, we're going to be talking about hip-hop and related things. Uh, and Jack's going to uh, spit a little something for us here before we're done. So first of all, tell us about the Hip Hop Awareness Festival so we can become aware of it. Sure. First of all, I'm Eve. Some know me as Bright Lady. Hey, I am hey. CEO of the Hip Hop Awareness Festival and Black Noise, which is our music label. Um, yeah, so we, we started the festival last year in my backyard. And this year, 2017, we've been having venues now and, you know, it's growing. So it's pretty dope to see it growing from just an idea, um, which the other CEO, Mosenraf, he's the founder of it. Um, he... He just said, we have this big-ass house. <laughs> I could curse, right? Oh, okay. Oh, oh you just did. <laughs> just said, I was like, you just did. <laughs> um, Fuck he, yeah. Yeah, he had, we, we moved into this house in Pomona with a huge backyard, and we were just, he, he, he thought about it, and he was just like, man, I'm going to do something with this backyard. And so he did. We just had our first one, $5. That's how we started it. The entrance is $5. We booked like over 30 artists each one. Yep. So, yeah, it was it was insane. So just slowly, it's growing very nicely. And our goal, our goal is, because I know everyone is not aware of what hip hop comes with, which is the four elements that you, you brought up when you met me, Lee. <laughs> And um, which is the, the four elements of hip hop is um, DJing, b-boying, MC, and uh, graffiti. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, hip hop is a huge trend sometimes, you know, and um, it it's it sounds a little different these days. So we just want to, you know, um, we just want to have the people aware of what it really is. So that's what we try to bring at every festival that we have. So, I'm just, you know, going by the name of the festival. So, if I came to the festival, what would I become aware of? 
Um, community, uh, real raw talent. Um, you know, just connecting with people at another level. Because not just apart, even apart from that, the networking at the festivals that we have is crazy. And by that comes awareness because you're talking to so many different people and people are like, what is this hip hop awareness? So everybody ends up learning something and, you know, and, and just hearing, hearing hip hop, like real, real dope hip hop. Yeah, a lot of people are aware of hip-hop as a genre, but not a lot of people are aware of hip-hop as a culture. And we right. like to think that we bring a lot more awareness to the culture of hip-hop when we do these events. Mm-hmm. And that's what, we, that's what we do with Black Noise as well. Uh, all of our MCs are, they, they have, they can back it up. Like, they can really back it up. <laughs> this guy knows. <laughs> he can definitely back it up. <laughs> okay, no doubt. So what would you say is the importance of hip-hop to the world? Um, I would say freedom of speech, um, really, and the culture. I, I just really feel it's very important. Of you know, it's it's a way to express yourself. So that's huge. I mean, that's huge in every genre of music. But this is, you know, hip hop. Hip hop is an actual culture. It was even, um, it was took to the UN to even be signed as a culture, and a lot of people don't know that it's a certain way you have to do it. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a certain way you have to do it. So that comes with being a certain way and just, you know, having freedom of speech. I see it as a unifying flag, a lot more useful <laughs> than our current one in this country right now. <laughs> right. Uh, if, if, if you fuck with hip hop, that's millions upon millions of people that got you back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Greater you would fire than a lot of what we have right now. Okay. So what is the potential of hip-hop to take it to another level? Um, I think it just starts with ourselves, to be honest. I mean, think about it. Like, you can't just change the world, like, at a, one time. It just starts with ourselves, and that's what we're doing with the movement that we have going. We just, one, one person at a time, we're just grabbing them and, you know, teaching and, of course, having fun because you have to have fun through it all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how, how would you describe hip-hop today at, you know, the grassroots level, the community level? I think within small cities. Or do you want to answer that? I can uh, answer that, but you want to. I, I mean, I, I have I would say right now there is a gigantic bubble of ridiculously talented people that are not receiving the attention that they deserve. And there's a lot of very untalented people receiving all of the attention. The polls are about to shift on that one. It's going to take two or three major proje- like projects from big, like, uh, big up-and-comers coming out of L.A. to really just pop that bubble and make everyone known. And once that happens, it's a lot of people in the industry got some <laughs> – there's going to be some heads rolling. <laughs> and it starts with small cities too. Yeah. Because when, when small cities get together, even big cities, whatever, but I, I'm talking as far as Pomona or – or Long Beach or Compton, whatever. When the small cities get together and they actually create their own industry, which is kind of what we're doing right now, it's like it just it just spread, spreads that. It spreads, you know, real artists in, that are not known. And I think that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I, I was uh, living in Pasadena for the last few years, and the scene there is almost entirely dead right now. And I was just so absolutely inspired by what's been going on with Black Noise and the Hip Hop Awareness Festival. I'm, I moved out to Pomona. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be. I, I gotta right. be in this scene. <laughs> I gotta. Really I gotta. Know. I gotta live out here. This is where my heart is beating. I'm driving out here three times a week anyway. Why? Why? Why not just move? 
So, and ever yeah. since then, he's been at so many different shows. Like, <laughs> I've been at y'all house like every other day. <laughs> bugging the hell out of us around. <laughs> no, never bugging. <laughs> That's funny. So do you think or, or even actually know that are there similar um, – Not it could be a festival, whatever, alliances, crews, whatever, around the country moving generally in the same direction so that maybe down the road we can get some linkage? Um, to answer that, what we're starting right now, as far as just us, I'm speaking about us, um, we're moving our festival to different cities now and states. Like, we're going to have one in San Diego on the 14th. We're going to have one in Vegas coming up. Mm. We're uh, planning on doing one in Atlanta. So we're just, we're trying to spread it because if we don't, if we don't see these things happening, we're just going to do it. You know? (laughs) <laughs> at the same time, I think we've been very focused on our grassroots campaign to get in this, sh- yeah. the, this shit together on our end. Uh-huh. So I think there is some uh, – at some point when when we can, I think going out and trying to check out more scenes in other cities to oh, see yeah, if they sure. have similar movements growing to team up with. I think that's – I think you have to be on the ground level to really understand if they're on the right – on the same page you know what i mean because mm-hmm. it's really difficult to just see instagram promotions and th- see that these people are actually bad about it you know there what I mean? is people out there that are doing this kind of the same movement too which is dope there's this guy i don't know his real name but on instagram i think it's Salonket, s-o-l-a-n-k-e-t Salonket, something like that um he actually knows one of our our graphic guy for the festival he knows um and he just had him call us on three-way or whatever. And he was saying the same things we were saying, like, oh, you know, the four elements, yada, yada. So I'm like, okay, so, like, I, I, it's just not something you don't hear every day anymore, mm. you know. So so that's cool. There, there is people out there doing it. So you're blazing the trail for a lot of things that are going to start happening or already are happening mm-hmm. when you get linked. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's great. <laughs> Maybe we could get a little uh, sample of uh, the hip-hop we're talking about here. Yeah, heck yeah. Is a thought? Uh, sure. Do you want me to spit the little acapella I got? Yeah. Uh, this this is off the uh, – I actually have an album coming out on Friday, uh, October 6th. Uh, this is just one of the tracks off that, but I'm going to spit a little acapella for y'all. Our difference ain't political, it's of our virtues, our perceptions of the world that we believe are true. We were raised differently, uh, we were raised differently. our lens is different hues, you're like bluegrass and I'm just the blues. Whether atheist or Christian, pro-choice or life, or some, our similarities far outweigh the need for strife. We're all the same species, why is hatred so rife? Learn to love one another before the reaper's scythe. I believe that human beings can live in peace together, forsake race and creed to reach our needs and weather. The storm of society, the norm is impropriety, and somehow also piety to the Abrahamic diagety. A human law of equality and empathy, if we ever wish to unite ivory and ebony, the legacy that Kennedy left to be the recipe has been readily eradicated, now it's merely hegemony. Many preach this ideal of post-colonialism. I hate to be the one to say it, but it's, it's parochialism. Instant little Romeoism. Our children raised wrong. I'm talking morally corrupt, not a beer bongs. A functionally alcoholic, sociopathic country. Stop telling young men it's gay to let they love free. Don't put the president in a vice like Hubie Humphrey. I just want to fix our problems. Ain't that some dream? Hey. hey, and he has an album dropping. Tell him the thought. <laughs> yeah, uh, I go by. Yeah, the, tell us. I go by the thought. That's the the T H L Gil G H T. And I got a project coming out on Friday, October six. It's called Food for Thought. It's a double sided project with a little extra EP as well. It's a uh, forty two songs, almost three hours of music coming out on Friday. Wow. 
So how yeah. can how can people find that? Um, well, the album's going to be on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, and Datpiff. <laughs> Embarrassingly enough, Datpiff. <laughs> but uh, on SoundCloud, you can find me as uh, the Thought JFM, all one word. Uh, Bandcamp, it's just the Thought Here. Bandcamp. Uh, pretty much everything other than my SoundCloud is the Thought Here, at whatever website it is. All right, and how would people connect to the Hip Hop Awareness Festival? Um, they can either follow us at Black Noise on Instagram, um, uh, Facebook. Uh, that's B L A Q K N O I Z, and then uh, Hip Hop Awareness Festival on Facebook, Hip Hop Awareness Festival, and then on Instagram, it's H I P H O P A F E S T Hip Hop A Fest. All right, yeah, all right, y'all know what to do that. now. Connect. Let's go. Yep. All right. Thank you so much. For thank coming you for through. having us, Lee. We appreciate it. Yeah, this 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 is fun. I, I like this a lot. <laughs> okay, well, we'll put you down for next year already then. All right. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not on tour. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. No. 
passenger side and his best friend's right trying to holler at me trying to trying to holler at me Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Been listening to Joni Suzuki. Uh, she's uh, on her on her way over here to the interview booth. Um, <laughs> can talk to her a little bit and then, uh, see if we can convince her to do another song. tiny head. <laughs> yeah, it was full of big ideas, so it's thank all right. Thank you, thank you. All right. So, Joni, you know, um, everybody talks about how on fire you are to share your music. <laughs> Where does that come from? Really? Who's saying that? That's good things. I'll like never to... tell. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I feel like music is one of the biggest things that I've kept to in my life. Not that it's been too long. Um, that I think has been the best outlet and platform for me to, you know, be a big influence. Um, I think that, as you said, I mean, I'd like to think that I have a lot of good ideas, a lot of really impactful um, things that could make good change. Um, a lot of the things that I want to do involve, you know philanthropy and helping the community and helping where I'm at and who needs it most um, in the best way I can. And I feel like at least if I can draw people in a sense that I can make it so that I'm a vessel that I can keep spreading some you know, awareness, spread some knowledge, and I'd like to use that. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, so how did you get started? Um, <laughs> I always tease it because I'm Filipino, Japanese, Spanish, and Chamorro, so I'm from a small island slash Asian family and I always say it got popped out of the womb and I've been singing since then um, <laughs> and you know people in my family it's like you just start singing karaoke because that's normal and you just they tell you to sing and you sing um, but I think yeah I grew up in a family that was really music oriented a lot of uh, my family is really great at dancing I however I'm not um, <laughs> I'd like to do it though which is always good um, I guess that's just what it was I think it was I enjoyed doing it was the first thing. And then since then, because I like doing it, I guess it showed in when I sang and when I performed that it made it a good performance. And it made it so that it was enjoyable for everybody else. And I think, of course, that's what the, you know, one of the biggest things is. It's not just for you. You know, at the end of the day, absolutely, that's what it is. It's like it's something that you enjoy. It's something that you feel passionate about, which I do. And then that pervades into what I want people to feel also. You know, that's not entertainment. It's not just something like you passing by and it's 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 supposed to, I like feeling like I can evoke emotions with it's good, bad, excited, um, whatever the song entails. So that's about it. <laughs> OK. Um, well, you know, 100,000 Poets and Musicians for Change, its slogan is peace and sustainability, mm -hmm. um, purposely designed to be very broad, you mm -hmm. know, a big tent. Um, what does peace and sustainability mean to you? I think peace and sustainability, one, they work 
very much so hand in hand. Um, I think that it it means being able to successfully make it in life where you are happy what you're doing to live the life you love you know and to love what you do uh, i think that essentially peace starts with oneself mm-hmm. and then being able to accomplish that you're able to spread that and then having that in itself you're able to find passions and things you want to do whether it's maybe career whether it's school um whether it's you know starting a family you make decisions and you pick a thread that creates sustainability um, in your own life and can thus share that and it creates a, a node as you can uh, imagine that you you are starting as a, a center point to share that and then have that be passed along okay <laughs> so um, that's quite an answer um, when one year from now what new thing do you hope to be doing? In a year from now, I very much so hope to be sitting where you are. Obviously, I could never be as accomplished <laughs> and as fun, as amazing as Lee oh, and God. the show. <laughs> but I do, I do hope to be sitting in a position where I get to ask people the same things and I get to, I get to interview individuals mm-hmm. that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to hear um, who have thoughts and who have in impactful ideas that could help or could just make, whether it's in the longevity like terms helping in your life and um, among other people or just helping you get in the day by day and i think there's a lot of things that a lot of people have knowledge and there's just not enough they're not enough platforms and not enough ways to share that so mm. i hope to be doing that all right i'm sure you will <laughs> so i would hope in the next few minutes that you could do another song I would love to. How would that work? I would love to. All right. <laughs> Let's do it.
people live for the power Some people live just to play the game Some people think that the physical things define words within Oh, but I've been there before And that life's a bore so superficial Oh, some people want it all But I don't want nothing at all If it ain't you, baby If I ain't got you, babe Some people want diamond rings Some just want everything But everything means nothing If I ain't got Johnny Suzuki. Why do the good die young? A quest I've heard asked many times over and over, and I can only speculate on the decision death makes when it decides to take the life of the so-called innocent. Tamir Rice was in an isolated incident. Hadil Pettiton, who spoke at the former President Barack Obama's 2012 inauguration, was later shot in her back in her hometown of Chirac and would Emmett Till still be here if he didn't whistle at a white woman. 
Some say they had it coming, should have known their race, should have known their place. But I heard God don't make no mistakes. Then these are the breaks. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. But what are there too many pieces scattered to lift? Hmm. What if Malcolm and Martin didn't insist for social justice? Then will we still exist in this land of the so-called free? What if Tucson overserved Frederick Douglass and that turned it in a fight to abolish slavery? Then will we be where we be? Then why did the good die young? Is it for fathers and mothers to tell the young royalty that the crown they would bear away heavy on their head with the souls of the dead who attempted to live their lives with sincerity? But it's a travesty when the good are simply persecuted for being themselves, for not bending to a broken branch of society that think that God Almighty that daily and nightly want to see the good face trials and tribulations, convoluting conclusions that only leaves the goods, families and communities in ruin. Then what are we doing? Why haven't we died yet? Have our souls become old and decrepit? Have we become desensitized at a systematic method of public execution? Can't turn on the TV without seeing the dead in the street laying on a swelter in concrete. Then why do the good die young? Is it to be labeled as martyrs? Motivation for the cause. Sisters and brothers pictures plastered on poster boards to protest the unjust laws, the disingenuous legislation, to tear down the walls before more were built, before more were killed because of the status of immigration while facing a malicious firing squad. But I heard God don't make no mistakes. Then the deaths will not be in vain. In the end, we all must meet our fate. But for those that remain, we can choose to heal the pain. I can list the many names of the gunned down, dragged in Maine, but the blood stains are laced in our tears. It is time for change because this has been happening for too many years. Because if the good keep dying young, then there'll be even fewer here to teach us how to care, to reflect, project love, to be authentically sincere. So until I take my last breath of air, until we take our last breath of air, maybe then, just maybe then, we'll know why the good die young. Mm. All right. That's Charles Williams, C. Will. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. In case anybody's wondering why everyone is kneeling at football games, listen to that poem again, okay? Yeah. All right. C. Will. Yes, sir. I got to say, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been a fan of your poetry for, for some years, and, and one of the things I like it, that you managed to do um, as a fellow poet, I can't do it, um, you you come so hard with reality, but you're also so full of love at the same time. Is that deliberate? Yes, because that's just the way I I live my life in the sense of saying that you can't avoid what is happening in front of you. And I think it's important to address it and talk about it, but come from a place of love with it. Because I realize the only thing fire and fire does, it just burns other people. You know, so um, I find a way to present it within the words. And a lot of times talking about this other night, too. But also, where's the solution? You know, I could I could always talk about what's what's going on and all the uh, atrocities and the injustices. But in a way, too, like, how do we go about solving it? Let's let's talk. Let's have the dialogue. And that's what I think poetry is for. And as as poets and musicians and artists, especially uh, for the hundred thousand poets uh, for music, you know, musicians and change. That's what that's what we're here for. We're griots. Um, and, and give people a safe space, other, you know, a political realm or in, the, in the, that extent where we could share it, talk about it, you know, sing about it, laugh about it, cry about it, um, and it's okay. I hear that. Tell us, uh, I, I know to that end you, you've been hosting a venue. 
uh, in the Hollywood area for for some years. We were just talking about it a minute ago. Yeah. Could you break that down to those who might not know about it? All right. So the venue is called Freedom of Speech Thursdays, and it's located at Sabor e Cultura, and that's in Hollywood, uh, or Hollywood, or Hollywood Village, as they call it now, and that's <laughs> at 5625 um, Hollywood Boulevard on the corner of Gramercy. Um, and so we do that every third. We've been doing that for five years, been the past five years, every Thursday um, from 8 to 10 p.m. now. Sign is at 7.30, and it's been... Um, a lovely ride seeing the progression because the first show was me doing a poem every half hour and hour and I was very excited because the idea of having a space and knowing what you could do with the space and the opportunity of it so I'm um, a very optimistic person you know, but also real the realism was like I needed to get people you know so <laughs> um, but the foundation of that same thing like we were talking about before was to give people a safe space and a forum to express themselves but to authentically express themselves to know that they can come someplace um, and work on their craft and also build community at the same time as well, too. And it, as you know, it's a very diverse, very diverse crowd, you know, uh, artists from different backgrounds and people from different backgrounds. But how we can all just come together and, and share, talk things out, um, you know, and build pretty much and not just build on um, on a mental level, but build on a soul level as well, too, because. I really feel that we're all interconnected. You know, if uh, one fails, we all fail. If one succeeds, we all succeed. Uh, it's about synchronicity. So Freedom of Speech uh, Thursday is, is that is that forum for that. Yeah, I, I can certainly uh, assure you, having had the, uh, been blessed on some occasions to, assure you. to hit that mic up there, um, it's usually a full full house, a lot of, pe- a lot of different kind of people, like he says, um, where where everybody's embraced and listened to. So you should check it out uh, if you haven't already. Maybe we could get another poem. Um, you know what? I don't know about maybe. I know okay. you can get one okay. right about now. All right. You're All such right. a tough negotiator. <laughs> Can't handle it. Right, I'm going to tell you a little story. A long time ago, I was in love with her brown skin, rich chocolate, sweet cocoa, no preservatives, the best God ever made, original. Her taste criminal. Make you want to commit murder for a single morsel powerful. She could bring the world to his knees. Jacaranda mimosa folia calling call purple leaves. The only way I could find her. No one finer. But I wasn't the only one eyeing her. His name Coker, co-signer. He would line her with the top of the line designer gear. He considered his hyena, but the relationship chocolate and I shared, he was well aware. He wanted me out of here. Erased from the picture. Then the goods would be easier to deliver. See, Chalk was auspicious. Move weight from state to state without being suspicious. Every man wanted a taste delicious. And for business, she was good for coca, but I wasn't. One night, chocolate was bugging. Wouldn't tell me nothing, no matter how hard I tried. She eventually said, I love you, but if we stay together, you'll die. And what would you do if I was in your position? I eventually said, I will stand by your side. Coco then broke down and cried, told me she didn't want me to stay because she couldn't bear the thought of having a broken heart, of watching a lover get caught and dragged away. And I and I stood there in dismay and I didn't know what to say. And then I asked, what about you? What are you going to do? And she replied, the same thing I was doing before I met you. I'm a drug mule. I have no education, barely finished grade school, family indebted to Coca, I'm his crown jewel. If I left now, he'd kill my family too. Either way, your soul is beautiful and mine is scarred. Go live your life. This is my only job. Kissed me and whispered, 
Muito obrigado por quem nos unho, quem ninguém destruí-lo. Thank you, God. For what brought us together, let nobody tear it apart. My heart throbbed ached as I walked out that door and raged with hate. Set course to Coca's estate. Either I was crazy or making the biggest mistake. Can't turn back now. Time to meet my fate. So as I arrived on his doorsteps, his goons presumed to pat me down. Stayed set for the showdown. Let's say I didn't have to wait. Bloody face, broken ribs from a couple kicks to the liver. Never felt better as Coca stood above me, stroking his goatee, laughing with pleasure. Said I was loco, that I'd come in for Coco, and I should have known better that he would never let her leave. He grabbed my face and told me, I'm lucky that he's still allowing me to breathe. I looked in his face and I started laughing hysterically. But the last thing I remember is waking up in some random cemetery. Blood so close like Carrie, vision blurry. But my first thought was of chocolate safety. Maybe she escaped despite. But then I saw a letter next to me that I looked at perplexly, which I know I didn't write. And it was a letter that chocolate somehow secretly slipped into my pocket late the other night. And it read that she would always love me. And that I was lovely. And that I was her guiding light. Unfortunately for me, she's still the only one that could whet my appetite. Chocolate. All right. No, there isn't anything this man can't write about, okay? We just proved that. Charles Williams, C. Will, Thank thanks you so much for being here. Whoa. All right. Well, um, you know, the name 100,000 Poets and Musicians for Change, it sometimes causes a little bit of confusion. It's kind of understandable. People think that that's, we're only referring to poets and musicians. Uh, that's just shorthand for any kind of artistry at all, including culinary artistry. Uh, our next guest is uh, Angel Teeger. She is responsible for the food that uh, we're all enjoying here in the studio today. Got a lot of people in here, hungry people, and we really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. Um, I was I was wondering if you could tell us. Uh, maybe you're tired of telling the story, but I'm not tired of hearing about the Battle of the Parkway at your house and what that was about and what the outcome was. Oh, sure. So uh, my husband and I bought a home in South L.A. about uh, seven years ago, 2010, we moved. And um, our parkways, which is the uh, the strip of grass between the sidewalk and the street, our parkways were you know trashed, just potholes and garbage. And um, <clears throat> I saw a TED Talk uh, that uh, not long after we moved about urban gardening and inspired me to get in touch with L.A. Green Grounds, uh, a nonprofit, and we organized about 50 volunteers to come out to our house and plant an edible garden. Um, it was beautiful. We have fruit trees, and um, that year we had tomatoes and squash and all kinds of things growing. Um, then the city came and cited us and said that we had three days to pull everything out and put it back to the way it was. And um, it turns out it had been an ongoing battle with the city. Um, they, uh, just a couple years prior, they had expressed their desire to change the laws to allow for parkway uh, uh, farming, but they hadn't gotten around to it yet. So my garden was planted, and they they cited us, and uh, it reignited the conversation, uh, brought attention back to this. Uh, battle that had been dragging out and eventually like the next year um, LA City Council voted to allow for for parkway gardens and so now anybody in LA can 
can plant uh, vegetables on their parkways. So it's quite an accomplishment that, <laughs> that you all did. I don't know, you know if you were thinking of being heroes when you uh, no. embarked on it. You just wanted some food, right? I didn't plan on that at all. I, I just thought it was a beautiful idea to use that space to give back to the community, grow food. I mean, it just makes sense to not have to drive so far to get fresh fruits and vegetables and to you know, it just there were so many positive things that I saw out of it. The city citing us was the last thing I expected to happen. So do you have um, a vision of how we can live more sustainably, more cooperatively? Well, I, th- I think it all starts with community and knowing who your neighbors are. And, you know, that is something I learned through the garden was that um, most people, I mean, before – before I got involved in the movement, you know, I, I was working nine to five full time. And it's so easy to get trapped in the routine of, you know, the, your next paycheck and um, working nine to five Monday through Friday. It's 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 uh, it can be difficult to go beyond that and know who lives next door, know who lives down the street and just the act of getting out into our front yard more and gardening and bringing awareness to our property and people stopping to see what was going on. It was amazing how much that brought in terms of, you know, knowing who our neighbors are, knowing um, the the schools, you know, would bring uh, our neighborhood uh, preschool would bring their students over to check out the garden. So I think it all starts with that, knowing, uh, building community. I've heard that come up several times, and I fully agree. <laughs> um, I think um, uh, depending, and with community, I think it uh, being more dependent on one another or, or acknowledging that we're all dependent on one another and um, kind of fostering those relationships more. And, um, you know, I, I uh, barter a lot. Mm. I think that's a beautiful way to... to uh, exist. Uh, We try to, um, you know, eat home more and just live more self-sufficiently. I'm a very pro-cannabis. I think um, cannabis is a a great way for a lot of people to control their pain without having to get on, you know, heavy medications. Mm -hmm. So all of that for me is a way of living more self-sufficiently and simpler. I know that... um uh, you went on the uh, Women's March and I believe also the Science March on the first yeah. part of this year. I wonder if could you just share what that experience was like? Oh, the Women's March was amazing. I mean, I, I, the day before, you know, uh, with the inauguration, I, I was feeling s- such a sense of despair. Um, and so to know that uh, the next day, so many of us, or we didn't really know how many people were going to show up, but the expectation was that, you know, we would be out there with other women, other people who felt that our country could be doing something better, should be doing something better, moving in a better direction. And to see everybody out there, it was amazing to be a part of that. Um, same thing with the Science March. You know, my son came with me to that, and I thought... Um, you know, all, both of those events were um, people of all ages, all colors coming out. And I, it gave me hope, you know, that 
this country is about us, all the people, and um, we need to come together, and that's what we were doing. So then in that hope, then would you – did you maybe get a sense of more possibility that this isn't – these marches are not just one-offs? I mean it isn't the march itself, of course, is not the main thing. It's the form that something took, right? Right. But the coming together around a direction of our country, that's the most important part, right? Of course. I didn't think think of it as a one-off at all. I just saw it as – uh, the beginnings of the movement becoming more uh, visible, mm. um, more, um, you know, just more, you know, more of us coming out and waking up and getting involved. Yeah. Well, in uh, its own small way, quite a bit smaller than the march, this uh, <laughs> radio show is trying to help everything become more visible, people have right. something to say, and of course, uh, we have a pretty diverse group of people here today as yeah, well. Great group of people. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, and uh, thanks again for the food. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My next guest, my good friend Tyrone Stokes. Uh, maybe Tyrone, we could start off. You could hit us with a little. Little word play. Little word play. This man, as you will soon see, knows every word in the English language (laughs) and he may use them all in this piece. Oh, man. Um, So we'll start off a little something, huh? I take your head off with a katana after telling jokes about your mama. Sending your fate like your honor with a straight face like a llama. See, I'm the type to do. I'm the type of dude to do what I wanna. If you talk smack, then I palm you with a closed fist while I'm still breathing calm like a Dalai Lama. Or I hit you with a Chuck Norris roundhouse kick to your dome in front of an elementary school while the kids record the action <clears throat> on their phones. Knocking you out of your backpack, then taking your chain and your snapback. Confused at what you're hearing, cause you never thought it would get this bad. But I'm on a roll, and you just in the way. And I'm sorry that you had to witness LT on a bad day, but I'm just on the roll, and you just in the way. And it makes you a casualty of war because I'm a beast with a sword that'll take your limbs off if you still want to challenge me. So feel free to grab you a seat while I prepare to make you an amputee. Or I could throw away the weapon and still teach you a valuable lesson. The art of fighting without fighting. A style that I always have you guessing like manipulation and uh, the sleight of hand and uh, sense of awareness of your weakness where you stand and uh, how to control the mind with a bunch of creative rhymes. Poetry and motion that'll hit you in your spine. Making your enemy feel that whatever you spitting is real and when they take the bait you can Going for the kill and making them think that money is the only thing that matters. To give them alternative facts, like stabbing them right in their back by telling them that their president was black. So if you from the hood, it shouldn't matter if you black, yo. You can be anything you want, and that's the facts, yo. But you probably better at that basketball and rap, though. And that's probably why they on the roll and we just in the way. And I'm sorry that you had to witness LT on a bad day, but I'm just on a roll and you just in the way. And that makes you a casualty of war because I'm a beast with the sword. It's a little bit of wordplay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You got you got some of the English language in there. Some of that. Yeah, I know you got the rest of it in your pocket. <laughs> anyway, this is Tyrone Stokes. Um, Tyrone, tell us about the dope spot concept the and dope all spot. its manifestations. Oh, man. I'm trying to be real brief. You know, I'll be talking just like you be talking. Like. <laughs> 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 Basically, the dope spot is a... Um, 
It's a community resource. Bottom line is a community resource um, founded in Pomona, named after the, my band Dope by Design. Um, the Dope Spot started off as a studio, um, and then it turned into a brand, um, whereas we do events uh, within the community. Uh, we also do podcasts um, at the studio. Um, it's a rehearsal space. It's an event space. We have partnerships with uh, venues within the community. Um, we basically do kind of anything that um, that uh, supports the idea of artists supporting artists, um, and that's kind of what our, that's what our slogan is: artists supporting artists. We as artists, um, we know kind of what we need and what the community needs. Um, I mean, even down to uh, the example of a uh, business. You know, I got I got people hitting me up. You know, to hey, can you teach me how to copyright my music? Can you um, tell me what what's ASCAP? What's a what's a performance rights organization? How do I get royalties? How do I do you know things like that that mm-hmm. other studios for example wouldn't really do they just here to record you and then you get about your way you know what i'm saying but we start off as a recording studio and now um we're a big community resource and we hope to expand um in different cities eventually where are you located right now in pomona california pomona california yeah i've heard of that um you know not too long ago I participated in something at your studio, which I had never participated in, uh, yeah. in a studio before, a discussion circle. Uh, yeah. Could you break that down for us a little bit? Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, you've been in a couple of discussion circles. Is this the one where we had the, when we were with the papers and yeah, all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We basically, uh, what I'm, we're trying to do is hope, uh, uh, sorry, host uh, what's called Dope Discussions. Um Everything's going to have the word dope in it, just so you guys know. Uh, <laughs> dope discussions. And basically with that, um, we want to have roundtable discussions on various topics. The one that you participated in, um, which was actually your idea, too, was about homelessness and um, our thoughts on homelessness and the statistics and, and what we as artists can do to change those statistics or at least help in the you know, the process of trying to end homelessness. Um, and it was cool. I think it was about like a two-hour discussion mm-hmm. um, that we had. Uh, we were on Facebook Live. We, we streamed it, Facebook Live, on our um, Dope Spot Studios uh, Facebook page. Um, and it was a really good discussion. It was about five, about five, six of us in the room. And uh, we hope to have more discussions like that, um, not just on homelessness, but mm-hmm. on other topics as a- well. Any- Dope topic, right? Any dope topic, yeah. Topic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, I mean, it, it was a good discussion, and you know, from my point of view, I met some new people. I was happy to meet. But the other thing too was, even without any uh, promotion, we got about a hundred people on Facebook listening to yep. it. So, yep. you know, obviously, this this is not a secret technology or anything. But <laughs> um, I think we just need to make better use of it. Yeah. You know, more aggressively. Definitely. And the last thing I want to say on that is I think a lot of people have things they want to say. They have things they 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 have um, thoughts about some of the things that are going on going on in, in America, in our city. And, you know, even just the topic of homelessness, people have their opinions, you know, people have their thoughts, but no one's offering them a platform to mm-hmm. speak mm-hmm. about it, you know. So, you know, I've been here and where, wherever I go to, you know, the grocery store or I live across the street from a bar. I mm. sometimes manage to find a front door. Uh, and everywhere I go, I've been hearing about this 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 tour of Artists United and Homelessness. Oh, yeah. I wonder, could you 
share a little bit about what that is? Oh, man, it's it's a secret right now. So a lot of people don't know about it. But uh, but basically what we want to do is um, Artists United to End Homelessness, um, the collective, the, it, we want to be able to go on tour and um, – have discussions just as the one we just talked about. Um, open the open the doors for people to be able to speak on these topics, um, um, specifically about ending homelessness and and touring um, as artists too. So we want to have that performance aspect of um, of the tour, but we also want to have that discussion aspect of of our tour as well. We want to hit schools, we want to hit um, venues, any any place that's going to allow us to um, host this um, this discussion in the platform. We want to do it. Um, we want to be, get people from those cities to come out, um, hopefully to, to get um, keynote speakers, things like that. Um, or if we do panelists, you know, um, have some panelists come out from that city, um, even some performers who, who would be interested in um, helping out with that. So the tour is in the making right now. We're really trying to organize it, get some things going. Um, and then hopefully you guys can check that out soon where we'll be. Um, checking out either the Dope Spot uh, Studios Facebook page or Artists United to End Homeless Facebook page as well. Mm -hmm. Well, the list that I arrived here today with uh, was as far as places that uh, are on the radar or or people have already offered to host the tours. San Diego, Orange County, San Clemente, L.A., Southwest College, Cal Poly Pomona, Bakersfield, Fresno, Visalia, Central Coast, and Chico. And now, um, since I ran into Charles Williams here today, I was talking to him about it and uh, the brief breaks I'm able to get here. Um, (laughs) And he has a venue in East Hollywood, and he's invited us to come uh, there and and set up there. So we just work out the logistics on that. Perfect. Um, That's dope. And we're certainly going to be um, blasting out, I'm sure, the – you know, live streaming these gigs and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, making sure people know about them ahead of time so they can come out. So if, um, speaking of tours, though, I wanted to also ask you about your band and the Passion Tour, which you were kind of breaking down to me the other day. It's yeah. pretty – not your average tour. Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, me and my band, Dope by Design, we um, planned a tour in 2014. Um, we did all the planning ourselves. Um, we, we networked with people from different places we wanted to go. Um, and we started an Indiegogo campaign to raise money for the tour. Um, it was the first time, our first time doing it. And my thought um, with, with everything that I do is always to, to be more than. It's kind of like my my mantra, <laughs> just more than. So I wanted it to be more than just a tour, more than, you know, when I was trying to raise the money, it was it was about more than just getting you to 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 give some kids some money so we can go play music at these venues or bars or what have you. So um, so what we decided to do was how about we we spread the idea of doing the things that you're passionate about doing the things um that you really love to do and not letting anything stop you from doing that um asking for support asking for help um and that's what the point of the passion tour was back in 2014 and that's how we were able to raise enough money to actually go on tour and um 
with that, uh, we went. Uh, we started out in Pomona. We started off with opening um, up for a DMX at the Fox Theater, and then from there we we traveled all the way up to the Central California. Then we went up to um, uh, the Bay Area. We went into um, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, um, down to Nevada, and then we came back up to the Bay Area (laughs) for like two more shows, and we came all the way back down to Pomona. And um, it was a really, you know, we did about 13 shows, and it was really cool. I think that um, because we had the idea of, 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 you know, spreading a positive message also with positive music which is another big aspect of it um we were able to get a lot of support so fast forward and, and briefly um from that manifested an idea of starting a nonprofit organization which is what we did um whereas we want to house and have um musicians artists um comedians entertainers alike to um be able to put them on tour we plan it and everything put them on tour but while they're on tour they do community service in the cities that they're going to be performing at either the day before or that morning um, they'll do the community service and then they'll perform in that city, make an impact in those cities that they're going to. And that's um, kind of the idea of the Passion Tour. And, and we're still working out logistics, putting together the, the team, the executive board, things like that. But be on the lookout for that. I think it's going to change the whole independent music game. Okay. Needs to be changed. Yeah. So all these things that you're involved with, um, if any of them interest anybody who's listening, how would they connect with you? Oh man, I got so many. I have to put all the links I got. You can do uh, look up the Dope Spot Studios. You'll find us. Um, you can look it up on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can look up uh, Dope by Design um, anywhere. You can look up uh, Lyrically Twisted uh, on Google. Uh, that's me. Um, you'll find me anywhere as well. Um, and then, uh, if you do follow Dope by Design, um, you will find uh, more information on the Passion Tour when we do get that going. Um, and don't forget to look up Artists United to End Homelessness as well. All right. Thanks a lot. And Tyrone Stokes. Like the things that you replace And you return all of the things I gave to you The letters that you wrote me Have all been sent back Tell me why I have to face that distant truth favor and don't return to sender don't want to see apologies to all your lies cause you know we're getting older and you don't have an excuse tell me why I have to live through this abuse why do I have to run away running out of things to I'm all alone, far away from home The only thing I've ever known 
Everything is thrown in my face I've lost my mind somewhere along the line Can't describe what's happened to me Wake up to a heartache each and every single day Feeling like a burnout movie that's on play This picture's overwhelming, a thousand words of lie I've disguised the open wound you've dug inside Like a lucid dream, I'm wide awake it seems Only everything was just a memory Why do you have to follow me Running out of air to breathe Maybe I'm alone Nobody to help me Can't get through this alone Some kind of hero Everything is thrown in my face I've lost my mind Somewhere along the line Can't describe what's happened to me I found some kind of higher ground From the flood of our mistakes The weather comes around Was lost but now I found We go through life, that's how we learn Maybe I need some kind of hero Everything is thrown in my face I've lost my mind somewhere along the line Can't describe what's happened to me Beautiful. All right. That's Richard Lynch, um, in case you didn't recognize him. So, you know, one of the things that I like every year, you know, we do the show every year, and um, I always, some of the people, of course, I know, and then some of them I don't. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the many pleasant surprises today. Appreciate you coming through. Yeah, not a problem. Nice to meet you today. Indeed. So, um, how did you get, get started with music? So I started with music when I was around seven years old, you know, just uh, picking up my dad's guitars, you know, and, you know, oftentimes he'd sit me down on the couch, you know, and have me play them, you know, carefully. And, you know, I would always have guitars growing up, you know, but I never really knew how to play them or never really got devoted to it till I was around seven years old. But, um, you know, my guitars back then, I would just drag them around the house and beat them up. So my dad would have to watch me with his guitars. And, you know, um, so, you know, just moving off of that, you know, I just continued to progress with playing guitar, you know, and uh, 
um, in one of the later OCML podcasts, you know, I talked about my struggles in music and everything else and what I've done to accomplish what I needed to do, you know, and now I'm in a band called Opposite Standard. Um, we're a seven-piece ska band playing out of Orange County and, you know, just uh, finally in a band and doing what I want to do with music and enjoying every moment of it. Oh, that's great. So, you know, like a lot of uh, a lot of music fans talk about um, how, you know, music, uh, very whatever that they really like, helps to relieve their stress, you know, mm-hmm. and get them, <laughs> get them through the day, whatever's happening. Do you think that's also true for the people who play the music? Yeah, most definitely. You know, playing shows, you know, playing music, writing songs, you know, it's all an emotion that we have, you know. I mean, playing shows is a certain kind of energy that's, you know, hard to accomplish, you know, with even any kind of drug that you could do, you know. And uh, even writing the songs, you know, sometimes, you know, the song may not be about something that's going on in your life. It may be about something that's going on in somebody else's life, and, you know, you just catch emotion from that, and you run off that and write songs, you know, and have some kind of passion that goes into it and enjoy it, so. Okay, so do you think music can change the world? Yes, I do believe so. I mean, honestly, if you think about all the artists that we've had over the years and everything that has happened, you know, if you think of, uh, you know, the We Are the World record that was put out back in the 80s, you know, and uh, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie wrote the song towards efforts in Africa with, you know, starving children and everything and the poverty that was going on over there, which still is going on. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, raised funds, you know, because music is a, a strong thing. It has a strong influence on all of us, you know. So it doesn't matter who you are. You've heard some kind of music in your life and had some kind of influence by it. So, you know, the 100,000 uh, Poets and Musicians for Change, under whose banner we're in this uh, radio studio today, their slogan is uh, Peace and Sustainability, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty simple and yet uh, very broad, which is deliberately so, uh, trying to include as many people as possible. But so to you, what is Peace and Sustainability? What does that evoke to you? Well, in my opinion, you know, Peace and Sustainability is something, you know, that, you know, you want to start out, I think it's like a two-part thing, you know, you start out with peace and you want to sustain that. So, you know, peace is us all working together as individuals, as human beings and caring about one another without, you know, being, you know, stuck up or, you know, pushing behind, you know, the issues that are going on, you know, helping each other out and, you know, ultimately sustaining that and making sure that, you know, as time goes by or as we pass away, you know, we know that everybody else is sure-footed, you know, and we want to make sure that everyone knows what we need to do as a culture and as human beings to make, you know, life go on and make life go on effortlessly, you know. Okay. So in conclusion, I wanted to ask you, one year from now, what new thing do you hope to be doing? Mm. Honestly, it doesn't really matter much to me to be doing something new as long as I'm doing something that I love to be doing. I mean, I've obviously found lots of new things within this year, so working with OCML, so hopefully I get to be with OCML as we progress and get bigger. That should be the new thing that I want to do within the next year. Sounds good. So I, I, don't, I don't hear any disapproving murmurs <laughs> from the crowd. All right. Richard Lynch and his band Opposite Standard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sure you can find them online somehow and go to a show. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat as well. Yep. yep. So, 
do it. Okay, now uh, I'm talking now with our uh, Mike Stark, who's our producer today, our host, and been so uh, instrumental in this radio show becoming the institution that it is today. <laughs> we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, right. We appreciate it. Um, so one of the many things Mike has done, uh, he wrote a book about Black Sabbath, uh, excellent book, and uh, of course a very important band. So Mike, I would, what songs would you say off the top of your head does Black Sabbath have that fall under the heading of peace and sustainability? Wow. What a question, Lee Ballinger. You're welcome. I'm not sure. Maybe, um, I don't know if it comes right under that qualification, but it, it, it does speak to change, which is what this is all about. War Pigs pro- comes to mind out of the, out of the, off the top of my head, of course. Um, as far as others, man, you got me there. Wicked World? Wicked World would work. Okay. Thank you. See, you don't need me to be interviewed. You know all the answers. Did I ghostwrite that book? <laughs> you must have. And uh, it might be noted that you wrote a, a good book on uh, Leonard Skinner as well. So yes, all their songs are about peace and sustainability. Yeah. So don't ask me. <laughs> Free Bird. Free Bird. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so and also, I know that uh, for some time you worked with uh, Bill Ward. The Drummer and Sabbath. Could you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, he does a uh, show in the studio every month where he uh, plays mainly new metal music and uh, stays on top of the metal scene probably better than anybody I know. And and every month I get to hear new metal music I've never heard before, mm. which is really great. Mm. Yeah. So... Um I know also that you you produce my podcast, Love and War. Um, and it's a fine podcast indeed. Indeed it is. Yes. As seven out of ten doctors agree. <laughs> but um, I know you produce many, many podcasts. Yeah, we have – So s- tell, tell us a little about your podcast empire. Well, another one that uh, we do here every month, and you'll be speaking with him shortly, uh, John Safari and his – gang of uh, misfits from down in Orange County. The OCML uh, podcast happens every Monday. It drops every Monday. Yours drops every two weeks because we can't get you on a weekly basis. You're I'm out of the country. A yeah, lot. you're out of the out of the loop a lot. But uh, the OCML podcast goes every week, and it's a great podcast in terms of uh, schooling musicians on how to behave, how to operate their business, how to just how to operate in general. So that I love that podcast, and um, they do it every week. And and so that's another one. And then we have some that are just completely have nothing to do with music. We have a a uh, three sixty five Halloween show, which is people that love Halloween, you know, and they celebrate it three hundred and sixty five days a year. Okay. And I thought when it started, and eh, nobody's going to listen to it. And surprisingly, there's a lot of people that are totally into Halloween. So there's things trick like or treat, that. trick or treat, and uh, you know. And then I do a indie music show myself, LA radio sessions, Thrash Pie Radio with uh, the guy that's behind the board right now. Uh, he does a monthly show that uh, sort of harkens back to the Canny C days, and. Uh, Bunch of others. Go to laradiostudio.com and you can see a whole list of them all. So 
I I know that you probably do more podcasts than most people that are involved with podcasting, but of course it's a, a extremely widespread phenomena now and seems to be picking up speed. What do you see the potential of podcasting to be? I think with with the dredge that radio is nowadays, I think podcasting probably is going to be the future. I mean, uh, uh, corporate radio is everywhere, you know, and people are just turned off by the repetition of the music that's played, no new music, and then to have to sit through seven, eight minutes of commercials every few minutes is just, it's hard to take. Whereas a podcast, not only... Can you listen on demand because you can listen whenever you want to listen to it? But generally, there's less commercials, if any. Not, our podcast really don't have any commercials. Uh, you sell your book in, in yours, but you know, other than that, they're not really commercials. You know, they're they're more, you know, uh, letting people know what what the people that are doing the podcasts are up to in other respects. So yeah, I think podcasting is the future. It. It's it's hard to say exactly where it's going. We're having trouble monetizing podcasting now. Once that happens, once podcasting, once the internet gets into the car, I think there'll be big changes at that point because then everybody will be able to get their podcast in the car, which is what radio has served its purpose as up until now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, well, you know, in all the time I've known you, I, I've always been struck – that you just seem to have an inherent passion for radio in general. Oh yeah. And why is that? Well, it all it stems back to, you know, when I was a little kid with the little transistor radio under my pillow at night, late at night listening to people like Wolfman Jack from across the border on the border radio that went 50,000 watts covered half the country and and just the magic of that voice at the other end speaking to me however they spoke and then all of the great jocks that I grew up with. I, I wish I could say that about radio today, but it's really hard to find those oasises. They're out there. Sirius Radio is some, has some of those voices, mm -hmm. but uh, in general, it's just not like it was. You know, it, there was a magic to it. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Mike, for uh, always producing and hosting. And, you know, you facilitated the pod, my podcast. Um, I begged I, you to do it, basically. And I, it took a while. I, I, Let's be I, honest. I wouldn't use the verb beg. But, yeah, <laughs> there's some verbiage in there. Um, but, hey, you, you do a great <laughs> podcast, and I, I hope everybody checks it out. In fact, this is going to be – a a podcast extra on your uh, Love and War podcast uh, network. Yeah. So if, if you've subscribed, you get it free. Yes. Yeah, you'll get it for free. If you don't subscribe, you get it for free too. So <laughs> either yeah, way, pretty compelling. Every, every, yeah, everything's free, and that's the way we like it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Um, thanks again, and uh, I'm sure I will. I will see you. I see you every month to do a podcast even though we don't live very close to each other, which is one of the things I like about doing the podcast. Otherwise, I have to wait a year until next September to do this again. Right. Absolutely. Thanks, All Lee. Right. Thank you. Okay. Uh, talking with Carville Holloway, um, jazz trumpet player, one of the leaders of music education in Compton. So, Carville, just wondering, because I know you're in the classroom with a lot of kids every day 
What is well? What is your response to this NFL thing? Everybody needed the protests in the NFL, and what do your kids think? Well, I think they're trying to speak for my kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm all so I'm, I'm all for what originally uh, Kaepernick was was about. I think it's become a little uh, diluted a bit, um, you know, with the way things went in the last. You know, a week or so, but uh, you know, try, people are trying to make it something different. But uh, uh, quite honestly, I think from the start it was all about um, you know, uh, young young black men, young uh, young black kids, and uh, people actually, uh, and and police brutality, and in in in, in general in general from that, uh, poor people. Um, uh, the brutality uh, of the police against him. So, um, I I think they're trying to speak for us. Mm. Okay. Um, what is the what is the situation like in Compton? Compton is, you know, since since NWA is presented to us in a series of cliches and stereotypes that's a, <laughs> yeah. maybe somewhat true both both actually now both poverty and you know riches you know with you know Dre becoming the first music billionaire and <laughs> all that kind of a thing but so what is it how would you how do you look at the situation there now well i think there's a lot of just like any other uh uh underserved neighborhood there there's a lot of great art going on there there's a lot of great people there's a lot of poverty at the same time, so all of that exists there. But um, you know, the kids I see every day are are are, are beautiful, beautiful human beings. You know, um, I mean, they get characterized as as differently, um, uh, mostly because of the the difficulties that that poor people have to deal with in life. But uh, they're beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, kids. A lot of them are uh, are struggling. <laughs> you know, I mean, and Kids in general, I think, struggle, and I think I even tell my students, I think, um, that they have they have bigger stresses on them right now than even I did when I was when I was uh, you know that young. I think it can be very stressful for them, but that doesn't mean that they're uh, they're not those still those kids and you know those mm-hmm. those beautiful human beings. I think uh, <clears throat> things like uh, Dre Dre just gave uh, I think. You know, a number of millions of dollars to uh, build a um, music uh, building at uh, Compton High School, which is being rebuilt. Um, and I think all of that's great. You know, um, uh, but that's at the core of it is is the the young people and the people in in, in the community, which are great people. I just think it's is uh, we things get characterized as you know gangs and and the violence and uh, things get put out there. Um, in in many negative ways that you know you know pay pay somebody's bills by by putting them out there. But um, when you're just even with the my on my most difficult days with the most difficult kids, <laughs> I'm still looking at you know really really good creative um, human beings. How <clears throat> how can the the creativity that you're surrounded by uh, every day how can them be brought to bear to help end these conditions? Well, I think you know a lot of it has to do with you know just get people coming together. You know, I, I like what you 
you're doing here, um, having the conversations that, that you have, and that's what I, you know, that's what I'm I'm about. You know, when I just talked to, uh, I was I came to hang out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was hanging out with uh, Tyrone Stokes a little earlier, and we were just talking about uh, talking about things. I'm gonna have, have him come in my my classroom. Uh, people being able to to hear uh, hear other people and get uh, get ideas and work together, and that's how 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 music and arts work really um the the camaraderie and, and coming you don't you don't make music on your own even mm. if you're in your bedroom plucking a guitar <laughs> mm. soon as you're done you're putting that music out there for somebody <laughs> else to hear it mm. none of it happens um you know in a vacuum all by itself um the issues that we deal with in life whether they be poverty or homelessness or you know just uh just the the emotions um and dealing with uh with individuals, personalities, um, relationships, all these things. And people get through those things by working together. Definitely. So, you know, we've been talking on and off today about homelessness. Um, How do you, as a teacher, um, how does homelessness impact what goes on in your classroom and how do you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's one of the things that causes all these stresses that I was talking about that that, that, uh, kids deal with. I mean, if the parents or if the parents are having to deal with uh, with those stresses, it it certainly comes out in the kids and it's going to come out in a different way. That's why even on my worst day when I have the the absolute worst kids, you know, cussing me out or something, (laughs) you know, I I still know where it comes from. You know, Um, you know, uh, if if if. The, if someone is has to deal with you know tr- trying to figure out where they're gonna sleep tonight, you know, uh, when you when you get you don't just get to school and all of that just falls by the wayside. All those stresses are still there. Um, what I see happening though, you know, I mean, I even have to talk. I have to talk to students about that, you know, and, and I ha- many of them are homeless. They're dealing with that. I I see a bigger bigger um issue some of the things that that are talked um talked about uh how to in how to deal with homelessness <laughs> i i just saw the um you know the uh i i think our, our mayor just came out you know talking about some things that he you know some ways or whatever they their plans are but that you know we've been able to talk a little bit more uh, about what's actually out there, you know, there, there's empty homes out there that people could be be living in. Uh, you know, um, there there are ways to, to to deal with homelessness like right now that aren't aren't looked at often, and that's what I mean by getting information out, talking, sharing uh, sharing ideas. Um, the the kids that I deal with are are a symptom. <laughs> of the bigger problems uh, like that. And they have to have to deal with that. So uh, in my classroom, I'm trying to make it just about mm-hmm. music and us, um, <clears throat> you know, making some music together. But uh, those those larger issues, um, you know, they, they, they just create the stresses. I noticed a couple of days ago the mayor of uh, Los Angeles, which I know Compton has its own mayor, but the mayor of Los Angeles proposed that um, they build – Camps and these open fields <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking uh, about. for for the homeless. Right. Uh, do you how do you feel about these type of so called solutions? What about all the homes that are already uh, empty? What about the empty homes that are out there right now? I uh, just this morning they were talking about. I think it's out in uh, Newhall or something like that. They're they're they just open up where they're going to uh, some 
you know, agency is going to be building all these, you know, thousands of new homes. Um, they have homes out there that are empty right now that they can't, that, that you know, they, they sold to people and then the people couldn't, um, couldn't handle it. And their government own homes right now, they're, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. why can't people be, be living in those homes right now? No argument for me. So last night I had a dream and this question came to me. So I've been asking it to sporadically throughout the day. Um, I try to obey my dreams, <laughs> which may not always be a good idea. <laughs> anyway, uh, one year from now. All what right. new thing do you hope to be doing? Ah, uh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, you know what? I I love what I do. You know, I I never thought that I would be a school teacher, <laughs> but I I love going and I it's a very difficult job. It's a lot of work. I love doing it. I love going out and playing music every night. I love the people that I meet playing music. I love the kids that I I mean, and not, don't get me wrong, it's everything, the difficulties that every teacher deal with, I deal with them too, and, and, and it is a very difficult job. And music is, you know, rough. Um, for me, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, be a teacher, so I have a day job, you know, but I, every night I go play music somewhere, and I play all kinds of music. I'm playing classical music, I'm playing jazz, I'm playing Latin music, I'm playing everything. I, you know, I... I don't necessarily, you know, I don't have this other plan, this other plan over on the side. Right. I mean, I would probably like to be, I, I used to do a lot more of my own music, writing music and having my own band. And I don't do nearly enough of that anymore. Um, I, 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 I collaborate with other people much more. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and probably in the future, I'll probably do a lot more of my own original stuff mm-hmm. and get more of that out there. Um, but uh, but I enjoy what I do, you know, as, as difficult as it may be. I, I, I really do. Yeah, you know, I'm sure some people listening are aware of this. Um, probably quite a few are not, but part of the history of L.A., I don't know that's totally unique to L.A. in terms of the development of music is that certain uh, public school, high school teachers, uh, maybe mm-hmm. middle school teachers have played a, just a key role in the developing of uh, many uh, trends in jazz, especially jazz yeah. uh, and, and players and all that. Um, and it, if you're outside that world, it's kind of maybe an unsung role, but I... I and it took me a while to really um, realize, you know, the history of that. And it seems that, you know, you, you're still, of course, you're a lot younger than me, but who isn't? But um, that, you know, you're, you've kind of ascended into that role, which, I, I, you know, just observing you seems to be a very satisfying thing. You know, I, I certainly, I'm just happy to know you in that role myself yeah. personally. Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 I. I would, uh, I aspire. <laughs> you know, there there are guys out there. Like for instance, I'm, I'll be playing the uh, Watts Jazz Festival tomorrow, and um, a great great musician, a great teacher, Reggie Andrews, will be mm. will be there. Um, you know, he's a person that uh, the exactly the type of person you're talking about who goes all the way back to the early guys at Jefferson High School um, that that developed jazz musicians um, in L.A. 
you know, that history is a is a beautiful thing. Um, I don't think that a lot of people know know that history as well as it as it should be out there. But um, those are great people, and man, if I'm anywhere close to any, anything like that, then uh, you know that I'm I'm going in the right, right. direction. Well, I think that part of you know the importance of that tradition and that that process. We it, it, maybe again from the outside, it might sound like a bunch of old guys just. You know how old guys talk. Yes, we do. <laughs> what else are we going to do? But my point being, we're, as you as you know better than I do, we're living in a in a moment of renaissance in jazz in mm, L.A. Absolutely. Um, younger younger guys just and not not younger guys just playing the old forms well, which right. of course they can do, but but expanding the form yeah. and that that has come uh, very much from this tradition that we were talking about. Absolutely. So it's not just, oh, remember in 58 when this and that <laughs> happened? Well, what happened in 58 was probably important. We should look at it, but it's happening like this week, no, too. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big fan of a lot, lot that goes on. A lot of the uh, cats coming out of L.A., you know, the Kamasi Washings, the Terrace Martins, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the guys that are coming out um, and really just making music. I mean, it's just music on a high, very, very, very high level. Um, it's uh, very, very beautiful. And, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cats, you know, like I mentioned, you know, like Reggie Andrews, who I, um, you know, it's a great guy, <laughs> a great teacher, um, uh, guys that, are, that are, are behind a lot of those things, you know. I just have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, in fact, my uh, my answer would be I, I can say it wouldn't literally be something new, but a year from now, I certainly look forward to checking out all the music that will be created here in L.A. between Absolutely. now and then. Absolutely, uh, I can't a lot wait. Of great things I, going on. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you, man. Coming thanks. through. Peace. For those of you who may not have noticed, that trumpet there was by Carvel Holloway, our previous guest. Uh, sitting here now with Ernie Perez, who was a singer uh, of that song, the composer. Song called "What Can Be." Uh, Ernie, what is that about? What can be? Well, what can be is just—it's a story about all of us, really. Just those that uh, have a dream. And how we take that dream and and keep it close to our hearts, and you know we use our imaginations and we organize and make decisions with others and move forward, you know, and 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 try to just make a difference, man, out here for humanity's sake. Hmm. Okay. So, could you give us like a little rundown on this event that happened at uh, Hope LA on July the twenty ninth? Well, we uh, at Hope LA uh, House of Common Thread is a house there at Hope LA, and uh, we, along with the artists United to End Homelessness, uh, we got together just to 
just to discuss and, and you know, have an open table. We can share ideas and, and just kind of look to the future as to, you know, how we can organize and spread this vision uh, to those. Uh, you know, it's not about creating the vision. I think people all over the world, you know, um, have a vision. I think here in the States, uh, in this great country, man of ours, you know, people got vision. But how do we get them to focus that vision and once again, you know, start thinking about what can be um, and, and moving towards that vision, you know, and that's, mm. what, that's what it's about. Okay. Um, how can we end homelessness? <laughs> well, I, I was speaking to a group of people just a few days ago and I was exp- trying to explain that you know, somebody looked and said, man, how, you know, ending homelessness, like, really, like, how are you going to do that? And I said, you know, it ain't about how you're going to do it. It's about believing, once again, in that vision uh, and having that desire in your heart, you know, um, which comes from the compassion that you have uh, uh, to, to follow your compassion. And, and you know, and, and that dream and vision is, is just it's so strong that it, you know, it, it covers the discouragements and the things that when you wake up and you go like, man, how can you do that? Is that possible? Uh, oh, that ain't going to happen. And, you know, people don't see it that way. Well, that's we got to get out. We got to get from un, out under that weight. And we've got to follow our hearts, man, our imagination, because our dreams and our visions, our imagination and with strong determination, we can make that change like the song says. Mm. Beautiful. You know, it's actually kind of a cliche for people to talk about the power of music and music changing the world, which doesn't mean it's wrong, of course. Do you think that's actually realistic, that music can help to change the world? Absolutely. Um, I, I believe, you know, music has a way of bypassing our subconscious. <laughs> You know, so it's like you can be somewhere and you'll hear a song. It could be a certain song, a melody, and it's going to throw you back and put you somewhere that you necessarily didn't want to be at that moment. But it touches, you know, pulls on strings, you know, and those are those emotional things, you know, that it touches. And the same way I always um, I have this story about I remember being on a balcony with my father summer of 68. I believe it was summer of 68. Man. And the my dad had this radio transatlantic radio. You know, and he and then the DJ was KGFJ and the DJ said, coming back after this, you know, word from our sponsor. We got the latest, um, the new uh, uh, premiere Stevie Wonders, a premiere on the new Stevie Wonder song. We're like, oh, wow. You know, so we're sitting there. Commercials come on and end. And all of a sudden I heard la, 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 right. La, 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 la. And I was like, man, my Sharia Moore. Well, I don't care where I'm at. I could be driving. I can be going 80 miles an hour down the freeway, right, <laughs> trying to change lanes or something, you know. And that song comes on, and I'm immediately right back there on that balcony with my pops. Right. And that's that music has a power. It has power like that where it touches us, man, you know. And I think that's why it's so important that as artists we make sure that we have this cultural dance, you know, that we're able to create this cultural dance between people in the streets, man, so that people can feel, they can see, you know, through, it can be through music, through food, through dance, various poetry, whatever the case may be. That's that's what it's about, man. We got to create that dance, you know, that's what music does. Yeah. 
You know, you mentioned the this story about Stevie Wonder. I think we all have that. But, you know, the other thing that I would add, which to me gives music even more power, uh, music isn't just nostalgia. And what I mean, there's nothing wrong with nostalgia, of course. But I, I, re, I have memories not about, oh, I hear that song. Well, that was so great that day. That was so, of course I have those. But I also have a lot of memories of how horrible... Um, um, things were and the music got me through so today sometimes horrible shit happens and one it's music <laughs> music I know that it can help get me through or at least keep me going to pursue whatever solution I'm have to pursue to deal with whatever I'm dealing with um, I you know, um, I I don't doubt it ever. Amen. <laughs> I feel you, man. Ever. So I appreciate what you, what you were saying, and uh, yeah, I remember. Apropos of nothing, really, but just I I I can remember the my friend when I was. Very, very young, and where I sat in his bedroom when when uh, fingertips came on the radio, and nobody knew. He was like, "This twelve-year-old kid is really great," you know. And of course, it wasn't that he was twelve; it was that it was really great. <laughs> um, you know, I, yeah, I remember that as if it would happened yesterday. Right. And the guy whose room I was in won't speak to me anymore. That's another long story. <laughs> but that's that's not his, that's not my problem or Stevie's. Uh, so yeah, man. Thanks, thanks a lot for uh, for the conversation and for all the music. And um, I, I know I'm pretty sure I've told this to you personally, but for people that that don't know Ernie Perez that well, um, that a lot of times you know you you're in a situation and, and you're not sure how to respond to someone or treat someone or sometimes it's kind of obvious but sometimes it's not and i and you know we all have our own uh <clears throat> our own bullshit that we have to some that we sometimes instinctively rely on so when i wind up in a kind of a confused state over these types of things and of course they come up all the time i think about what would you do <laughs> not because everything you always do is right i definitely don't agree with that <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but because the way you uh, approach things and 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 try to deal with uh, situations, uh, you know, a person's maybe really getting on your nerves or whatever it is, and uh, it's really, um, which of course, just whenever I think of you, then there's a whole bunch of music. There's a soundtrack to thinking about you, you know. Uh, so I'm very blessed. I, I appreciate you. All right, thank you, man. You know, when I was a child, I wanted to be a hero. But not just any hero, I wanted to be a superhero. And not just any superhero, I wanted to be Superman. I wanted to look across the land, ocean, and sky and know that my people would be safe. See, when you're that age, my people equals the human race. And as we grow and our innocence escapes, the world hammers and shapes, our views are skewed, we win, we will lose, what's the right thing to do? 
So we choose. We choose to look past the outreach hand. We choose to ignore the silent voice asking for help. We choose to not see the tears behind the eyes waiting to be cried. We are desensitized. Is it us who needs help? With such words felt, the grass is greener on the other side. Home is where the heart is. It's always darkest before the dawn, and only the devil can steal your pride. But what if they lied? What if they hide behind the cliche, pay dues to break rules? Is anyone else confused? But again, it's us who choose. What if you woke up one morning and a man in a badge came to your house and said your home is no longer yours, it's gone? And not because you did something wrong, like hurt someone or steal something, but because you were trying to reach a life worth loving. I am literally, for the first time in my life, standing between a rock and a hard place. I can physically see misplaced hate, and as I look from face to face, I don't see the so-called waste of space. I see the same thing I saw at six years of age. My people, and what it equaled. And these are not feeble numbers like the half a million people on any given night in these United States who are homeless. And that's just off one night, off one statistic, and that's just what we could document. How about over 200,000 of these people are in families? How about 300,422 are individuals just like you? And before you say, you filthy slob, go get a job, how about 44%, half of this entire number have one or more jobs? But in California, it's kind of hard to live. And for some, it's kind of hard to give. So what are we left with? Veterans, mentally ill. How about 25%, a quarter of this entire number are children, kids dreaming the same dream that we did. This cannot be dismissed. This cannot be dismissed. We wish for the hope to be restored that has been taken from us. We have been stripped naked, disposed of, and discarded, and it's all by the supposed light-hearted. All by the people that supposedly want the best for their community. As we stand together for a moment in time, we can accept the stages in front of us or we can accept that ignorance is bliss. We are not this vermin that you think we are. We are not some disease you need to fix. We are not something that makes you sick. We are the wrist behind the fist, holding it up proud, standing. We are holding the fingertips on the idle thrones, or in this case, concrete homes. These are the same people that you call neighbors. These are the same people that you call friends. These are the same people that you call family. It is our job to stand up and speak for those without a voice, to hoist a provocative lyric and let the world know you cannot judge the depth of a person's soul by a bank account or the lack of a home. Thank you. That's called Band-Aid on a Bullet Wound. Woo! Woo! Yeah. That's Gordon Allen. You know, I'm a happy guy. I got to tell you why. I have been trying to meet this guy, Gordon <laughs> Allen, for a long time. I heard so many good things about him from various people. I've seen seen you in video on Facebook, wherever. Um, and I think we've supposed to, supposedly supposed to have been in the same same uh, space on Earth a few <laughs> times. It didn't happen. Uh, but, you know, it's worth waiting for, man. That's some powerful shit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Tell, tell, tell me more about how you 
he started using writing to, you know, express yourself that way. Yeah, well, um, you know, I actually started writing um, a family friend. It was a close friend of mine. I, I always stayed over at his house growing up together, and uh, his father was actually diagnosed with cancer. And um, unfortunately, he did pass away. This was many years ago. But that's actually how I started writing. I, um, I started writing uh, basically a poem for, uh, for his dad, mm. and that's how I originally started writing. Um, I really – I took a lot of influence. Um, I, I'm an avid reader. I love poetry. Um, definitely love hip-hop, all sorts of underground hip-hop. I did that when I was younger. It's just um, – it's got a message. It's a lot more to say. It's not like hip-hop you hear on the radio. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I understood. <laughs> so where are you, where are you, where are you, where are you going with your writing? I don't, I don't know if you have a grand plan or not. It doesn't matter, of course. Y- you know, to be honest, um, musically, I'm in a metal band, and that's kind of my, my first and foremost thing. But I always write, um, especially when there's um, – Something I see wrong or an injustice. I've done a lot of a lot of pieces. Um, I've done one called Hope, which is just you know our current affairs, everything that's going on right now in our country, and everything like that, and just about coming together. And um, I'm writing a new one right now called Homeworld, which is essentially the same thing instead of dividing or anything like that. It's like talking about a future where there's multiple worlds and everyone's divided in that way based on what world you live in. So this one's Homeworld, you know. So, um, but uh, yeah. I uh, I write every time I see something that I find injustice to, I guess. Um, and that, that piece for sure hit home. Uh, I had been working with uh, John Safari and my friend Tyler Joe Gaines from OCML. And uh, we were filming a couple pieces down there for Axiom, which is basically a news thing that we do. Um, kind of showing what's going on in, in Orange County and in different places. We talked mm-hmm. to artists. Um, in this case, Axiom was about the... Uh, the homeless people living in the riverbed. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a large encampment um, and several different freeways and, and the city is just um, treating it as something that can be swept under the rug and larger corporations, even, I mean, the angels are there, Disney's there. They could potentially wipe this out with one foul swoop of a, of a check if they wanted to. And they're just, they want it swept under the rug and gone and it's not going to go away. Yeah. How could it? So, you mentioned you're in a metal band, which, which, you know, metal, a lot of people who think they're pretty smart, I obviously don't, um, hipsters, whatever, have been putting metal down forever. Yeah. As, you know, like the music of teenage white boy idiots, which is if there's something wrong with being a teenage white boy in the first place, but not very accurate. Um and that metal is about nothing. Of course, they're never very specific because they don't actually know anything about it because they've never actually listened to it. Yeah, right. I I treat metal as almost <laughs> like a modern day classical. I think it's it's the most one of the most intricate things you can play. Um, never ending scales. I mean, the type of the finger tapping, uh, anything from intricacies on uh, guitar, drums, bass. Um, you can really make whatever you want in metal. That's why I like it. And uh, it's always changing. That's why there's so many subgenres. There's right. met, you know, death metal, new metal, prog metal, alternative metal. It's all these things that everyone tries to label it. But I think that's just because it's, you know, just like <clears throat> classical was when it started, it's intricate and it can always evolve and have, and have uh, different spectrums and different audiences that will enjoy it. But, yeah, I, I hate that people kind of have that stigmatism. Oh, it's metal or they're screaming too much or... Something like that, but um, no. If if you really get into metal, there's always a story or the, in the songs. If you if you figure out what they're talking about, usually, unless it's uh, I don't know, some death grindcore band. 
<laughs> what What do you think it is? Well, just how do you feel that metal speaks for um, the people that have problems? Oh, I think it's a I think it's a huge outlet. Um, <clears throat> they've actually done uh, I don't know if you've read, but they've done studies to show like what metal does to the brain. And yes, it can it can incite people to get excited and fight, um, but they actually show that it's got some really relaxing qualities. And for, and for me, um, it's it's an outlet if you want to be angry or drive fast or you know <laughs> whatever's going on in your life, uh, get pissed off because you're stuck in traffic, whatever it is. Um, I think it's an outlet for people um, from all walks of life, especially even the, the the people I was mentioning in that that piece, the the homeless people in the encampment. I I think any type of music is an outlet, but especially with metal, it's it can be an outlet in so many different ways. Yeah, I think um, kind of off on a tangent here, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I was reading an art that you know Metallica just played the Rose Bowl. Few weeks ago, yeah, and the guy in the I forget his name in the in the Orange County Weekly that wrote about the show was he he wasn't even really trying to make a point, but he did by saying that the stadium was full of people, men and women, all colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was wearing a Metallica shirt in the grocery store the other day, and a guy that worked there who looks a lot older than me, if you can believe that. He's all oh, you like Metallica. What's your favorite song? And my, you know, the only the only thing is, is that I don't want to romanticize it or overstate it, but these these cultural expressions are fundamentally not controlled by our enemy. Mm-hmm. There's of course there's a whole corporate aspect. There's a lot of bullshit there, but fundamentally, we define some version of we mm-hmm. defines what they are and how they go, and they find this intolerable. Yeah. So they have all their little lap dogs always. Uh, you know, chipping away at us, which does it, they know we're not listening to them, but they're they're speaking to an audience. Just going back to Tipper Gore and all that, in which I was very involved. Just you need you need to deal with this. You think you think it's just music. Mm-hmm. We don't think it's just music, yeah. and our more far thinking enemies don't think it's just music either. Absolutely. So let's let's conflict. Let's see who wins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got music. What do you got? Yep. Yep. So um, tell me, uh, you know, I, I hear the off, I've heard <clears throat> several times the founder story of the Orange County Music League, of which I'm, you know, of course, participating. I'm a huge fan. But from somebody from your perspective, what 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 is the, po- you know, what is OCML and what is its potential? Um, I think as far as OCML, as far as its potential, we are taking steps to create the future of OCML. And um, it's been some big steps. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say on the radio, but um, there's <laughs> definitely the tree is growing and branches are reaching much further, um, if that makes sense. Uh, but as far as what we're doing now that you can see, um, we do media, uh, everything from you know music videos to artist spotlights to acoustic sessions. We, we did a, a couple uh, series at what we call the reamp sessions at reamp studios and um, we're going to continue doing that at different studios um, throughout California but it's basically like MTV Unplugged and it's really awesome and it's artists that you may have never seen um, just p- 
shows they play or lack thereof. So it's it's really nice to be able to see someone's music and then be able to you know find out who they are and then get their backstory, which we also do artist interviews and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. But I mean, even even more than that, we were just at a show last night. So um, obviously, still a, a booking company and booking shows and promotion, and uh, we got a big show coming up uh, October twenty first Saturday at Garden Grove Amphitheater, and that's called Monster Mash. It's an all day event, ton of bands, local bands. It's gonna be awesome. All right, okay. So last my last question would be. You know, <clears throat> we're here under the banner of 100,000 Poets and Musicians for Change, whose slogan is peace and sustainability. Mm. Um, what does that mean to you? Um, <clears throat> I think it's it's one of those things you can you strive for. It. It's um, to me peace and uh, sustainability as well, but especially peace. It's like perfection. Um, I don't know that it can be achieved, especially within one lifetime. But it should be something to be always striving for. Um, and, you know, you you get those, what's that show, uh, you know, the one with all the models, you know, uh, I want world peace, you know, and, it, <laughs> you know, it's a simple thing to, to, to say that. But I mean, shit, we know. I mean, it's just in, in our lifetime, we'll probably never see it. Just, I mean, I think right now there's wars raging in every country almost mm-hmm. um, in some way, shape or form. So, again, I think it's something to be strived for. And, and I think music helps with that. I, I really have belief if everyone on the planet played an instrument and was in a band, we'd have a lot less fighting going on. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I would have to say in defense of runway models that I'd rather hear them say we want world peace than we want to bomb North Korea. I, <laughs> that's a fact. You know, because people might listen to them, especially at the bikini part, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is there a bikini part? Never mind. <laughs> All right. Gordon Allen. Um, I want now, after hearing that poem, I want to hear his band, about, about which I don't really know anything, but I'm going to find out. Yep. Uh, absolutely. What's uh, the name of it? It's Gus MacArthur. We are Gus MacArthur. Okay. Um, we are metal. I'm just going to say metal. I don't really, <laughs> there's, I don't want to put a genre on it because I don't really know them all enough. And sure. <laughs> I don't think it fits in there. Um, we're releasing a new EP. We got a new EP coming out. It's chapter two. Um, so we, we work in books. So book of one is the book of Gus. We have one chapter down and the second chapter that's coming out is fanatics. And, um, it's, it's got a relevant message for everything going on right now. All right. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) All right. I'm going to, I'm going to get one, get one when I can't. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. Back in a minute. Thank you. They are. I am the change I want to see in the world. I release more than exhales. They are. Hard, dark pieces of life strung out together that only through pressure and fire become valuable. They are. Pieces of my soul, jewels that overflow my pockets and fall out of the holes in them. They are intended for the future, for them to pick up and affix in their young, sparsely studded crowns. Some dented, some scratched, some scarred, some broken, Some just pass them by, not noticing what's right in front of them. What is passing them by, they are. Just passing through, sipping 40s made from sticks water, from ether, inducing euphoria, then vomiting, both temporarily transient soothing, only covering the wound, not filling it, not healing, not living, just passing by, just getting by, they are. Not lost, just never found out that there is more to the great wide open than four corners to a cold, hard block. 
to a cold heart blockage never shown or their attention was elsewhere when the science was revealed, watching the right hand while the left squeezes out their innocence. They are not at fault for their road being pocked, made of temporarily hardened quicksand that could suck them up at any moment and without warning. But we, award, but we ignore the warning signs. We forget their plight is of our design because we have allowed things to remain the same while talking about making change, but being about just playing the game, they are. Not lost, just not found. The road not taken, though difficult, is sometimes the most rewarding. The crowd draws. It pulls us apart in our togetherness. Proximity is just another highfalutin word. Even as adults, we don't know ourselves. So when it comes to the youth and how we relate, how can we claim to know who they are? Mm. All right. That's Gerald Amaya, a.k.a. Dark Side. So I, I know that you're a teacher in our uh, Los Angeles public schools, and I uh, wondered how, do you, how does homelessness impact you in, in the classroom? So um, well, that poem that I just did called They Are, I wrote it uh, my first year of teaching in 2006. And um, it was kind of me dealing with all of the things that, that I thought teaching was going to be about and then the cold realities that were presented to me within that first, like, half of a year. And, uh, you know, I came to the realization that um, these are people that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. They're not numbers. They're not just, you know, robots or anything like that. These are real living, breathing human, human beings. And just like I have my problems and my issues, I don't walk into that classroom every day free of worry, free of um, guilt, free of um, concern for my own financial well-being, the well-being of my family. So how can I expect these kids to come in like that, you know? So, and that seems to be what a lot of education, you know, people centered around education think, like, that these kids that we're getting, you know, are just these clean slates. They come in every day just ready, eager to learn. No, some of them are hungry. Some of them are abused. Some of them are, you know, on the precipice of going broke and becoming homeless. And some of them are homeless, right? And so if we think about um, life, right, what is, what is the purpose of homelessness in the system? It's to have that bottom level for the upper levels to say, if you don't toe the line. Well, actually, they don't say it because they have the, the, the petty bourgeoisie to say it, right? If you don't toe the line, if you don't fall in line with the system, that's going to be you, right? That's why they don't want to solve homelessness because it takes away that last barrier of, you know, you might have it bad, but it's not that bad yet. And it can be, so don't mess with us. Mm -hmm. Do what we say and, and we'll keep you how you are. And if you don't toe that line, it, I mean, a lot of us, a majority of us are right on that precipice, mm -hmm. you know, one foot in, one foot out. Uh, you know, I live... I, if if I lose my job, I don't know what I would do. You know, I mean, I, I'd hustle, but th sure. that has its own problems. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, and a lot of people live that way. You know, and I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I should have security that I don't have because of the way the system is and because I'm historically poor and all that other stuff. But, you know, I understand it's it's only my concern. I'm the one that cares about it the most, so I'm doing something about it. And I'm trying to teach these kids to do something about their situation, that nobody really cares about them, that, you know, I mean, their parents care and try to help, and the other teachers care and try to help, but we all have our own stuff to deal with, so they have to learn how to deal with their own stuff, too. I'll, I'll guide them, I'll help them, but it's the best I could do. The hard part is identifying the homeless children. That's the hard part. Because we're, you know, I mean, we got to be told that they're homeless. And 
and the administration chooses whether or not they reveal this and how and why and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, and a lot of times when they tell us, I'm like, man, if I would have known this a long time ago, I could have done something. Now it's kind of late in the game. And if I do something, it's almost something that's quasi unethical. You're asking me to change a grade. Yeah, now that I understand the circumstances, maybe she deserved more along the way. But we've got to this point where... Right. To do so would be wrong. We'd have we have to find another solution, and it's like no, um, you know, just it's hard, it's hard. So, so you know, I saw maybe a month or so ago the statistic, which is in the last year, youth homelessness in Los Angeles County has gone up sixty one percent, which is it's astounding. I mean, not that it's unbelievable, but it's so. that's a gigantic leap. Do you? Do you see that reflection in your school? Um, so not necessarily in my school. Um, so let me tell you what, where that comes from, right? If, if we, it, it depends on how we define youth. So if we know how that study was defining youth, but in general, youth are defined even into their early 20s, right? So you think about the foster care system and children that age out. So from what I know, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the exact article or study you're talking about, but from what I know, that tends to be one of the main precursors for these jumps in youth homelessness is, um, you know, 18-year-olds just aging out of the system and having nowhere to go, nothing. They've been in that system for so long and in such a rocky road uh, in that system that when they're pushed out, there's nothing for them. They haven't been prepared the mm-hmm. way that the foster system is supposed to care for you and prepare you. So um, so that's, that's for what I know, that's one of the big things. But also, I mean, just the way the economy is, you've got families going homeless. You know, and each most families that go homeless aren't one child families. You know, that's that there probably are a percentage of those, but it's probably a low percentage. The larger percentage of families going homeless are, you know, three, four children in the in the household. And the the father loses his job and or the mother loses her job for that matter. And there's no income. It's only a matter of time till they're out. You know, then it's also how you define homelessness. Right. Some some people don't think they're homeless because they're staying at their tia's house or mm-hmm. or that they live in the garage from above their, you know, or living above their grandmother's garage in, with a five person family and a one, you know, something that was for a teenager to have his own space at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's a home for a full family. Like, no, that's that cal- in my mind qualifies you to be homeless, but people don't self-identify that way. So, sure. How can we unite the people? Um, so I think that the, the, the key to that is when we start all realizing that, um, you know, that, that we are all one people, you know, that we're all people. We're human beings. We have our differences, but those differences are what makes us great. And as long as those differences aren't differences that cause you to infringe on other people's, uh, you know, pursuit of life, liberty and happiness and whatnot, um, then you should be able to to pursue those, you know. And I think that when we f- when we find that that the playing field should be even because we are all people, uh, when we realize that we really just need to get our basic needs met and then search for happiness, right? That instead of trying to increase the bounty of our stockpile of supplies. Right. Just get your basic needs met and spend the rest of that time that you would have spent stockpiling cash, resources, cars, homes, whatever, to just being happy. We'd be a, this world would be a better place if that was our focus to be happy, to live a happy, comfortable life. If that was if we can find that common thread in our lives mm-hmm. and that purpose. I think that is what can unite us. And I think one way we can do that is through the arts. 
through the art that we produce, through the music. I write music. I write poems, um, plays, people that write plays that, you know, have a message behind them that tell a story that, that people can learn through catharsis what things are like that they don't go through, you know. Then they can understand a little bit better that, okay, that's, that's how I think that's what makes me a good teacher is that I take the time to try to understand where my students are coming from and then relate to them at that level. Instead of expecting them to come up to me, I come down to them. I don't even want to say come down. I, I just, I equalize. Sure, sure. I equalize with them. I come yeah. into balance with them. Um, you know, so, and I'm also not the, the type of teacher that wants to be a cop. If I want to be a cop, I'd be a cop. So I'm not trying to <laughs> bust kids. I'm not trying to rat them out and get them in trouble. There is a line, and if they cross that line, I'm, my hands are tied. There are rules and policies, and it can mean my job. And if it's my job and them, then I'm going to keep my job because that's how I feed my children. So, and they know that. They know that if they're getting in trouble because of me, it's not really because of me. I just was the messenger that, that brought them the lesson that they're about to learn for some behavior that they did that was over the line. Because, mm. you know, so, um, but, you know, taking back to the, the topic of homelessness, you know, I just want to bring it back to that whole, it's, it's the way we self-identify. Like, like, we need to realize, like, we deserve more. And, and there is more out there for us to get. So I want to get it for myself, and then I want to help other people get it too, right? I'm just not trying to get all of it for myself. But I do got to establish myself first and make sure that I'm good so that I can help my neighbors get equally as good. And I do that in the classroom. I'm trying to get these students that tell me that they're homeless or that they're living with their aunt or something. I get them to resources and try to help them find a way through the educational system to alleviate some of the issues that they may be facing, Sometimes some of our, my best students, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell because they're doing well in school. Well, that's because that's the only thing they have stable in their lives, you know. But, but since they're doing well, we don't really think like, oh, well, let me ask her about this and see okay. how she's doing. We think, oh, she's getting an A. She's great. So, you know, that's one thing I learned was that you gotta, I got to get to know all my students and try to figure out so I could see what's going on and that's the way I could help that's why I could change the world that's why I can alleviate homeless, homelessness using my art is one way and then also the interfacing that I have on a regular basis with 150 students every two days allows me to at least help out those in there that need the help beautiful alright man thank you very much no problem uh, if I could just promote myself a oh, little bit oh please do so if anybody's looking for information on me uh, you could just uh, go to my Facebook page it's darkside90042 I also have a GoFundMe page. I'm trying to fund this album. It's GoFundMe.com slash Mr. Darkside's Dream. So if you could uh, donate, I'd appreciate it. And if you can't donate, at least uh, share. There's uh, access to my music, free music, stuff like that. So enjoy. Great. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Here with uh, talking to Skid Robot. Um, first thing, man, I, 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 it's too bad we don't have uh, visuals, but... You, you do some very interesting art. You're, oh, I guess you call them installations. I don't know if that's the right word, but tell me about it anyway. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah, nowadays it's kind of close to a, a 2D, 3D connection where I paint a mural of sorts on, on the wall. Uh, it's kind of graffiti because it's not with permission. And at the same time, uh, clean up the environment and bring in a couch, some chairs, a table, and, and what I call outdoor interior design. Uh, as my art installations um, is currently what the what the art has evolved to. But originally, it started with a spr- uh, can of spray paint, you know, one color, and uh, painting dream bubbles over homeless people 
sleeping on the street, and uh, the images in the bubble would vary from, you know, a dollar sign to a bed uh, to a cheeseburger, mm. you know, just the simple things that we normally take for granted on our everyday life that we could have with the greatest of ease. But however, you know, tens of thousands of people, uh, to them, it's a luxury. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I call it that, Syria, Desperate Dreamers. Uh, and that's how it kind of started. And from there, it, it began to evolve. And, you know, I would paint forest backgrounds behind tents because the idea is that, you know, these tents belong in the forest, you know, under camping, you know, and having (laughs) fun, not living on city streets. So I wanted to change that perspective on it as well, which turned into like, you know, uh, the pyramids, which turned into Stonehenge. And I just started kind of getting really creative with what I was painting behind these tents. And, you know, the, the point was to draw attention to the tent. Like you see the art and you see the tent and the two are connected to one another and I want I wanted the audience to to look at something they would normally overlook. You know, we go to downtown LA to do our business, and we'll go up Seventh Street, Sixth Street, all these one ways, and it's lined with tents and homeless people, and we drive right past them. But when you see art, it's going to grab your attention, and you're going to see the connection that it's making. And, and what I want to happen there is someone to think about that person living in the tent and considering the situation that they're in. Um, and that's been the aim uh, is to the people that I connect with share their story. That way, the audience who, who's looking through you know social media or wherever it's shared could get a sense of who that person is and connect to them directly and hopefully have more of a sense of compassion and empathy towards the homeless issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know certainly what you're saying that, that you would notice the art. Um, um, again, just with words, it can't fully convey it, but the, your art is very powerful, very striking. Um, that certainly, you know, draws the, uh, the eye to it. I mean, I understand the connection that you're making. Um, so have you been like an artist of some sort all your life or? Yeah. You know, um, I have this drawing from, I think when I was like four or five or whatever. And for some reason I, I wanted to open my own hamburger stand and, uh, I, I drew a picture and I spelled my name wrong and it was just, you know, and I remember selling the hamburgers for like 25 cents or something. And, you know, uh, and from there, I have this collection of all these silly drawings. And looking back on a lot of what I've done, uh, it was only natural that I would gravitate towards graffiti uh, growing up in the neighborhood that I did. It's a bit on the rougher side. And you only have so many alternatives. You know, a lot of people join gangs or they chose to sell drugs or get into these certain lifestyles that, you know, either leave you end up dead or in jail. And I found skateboarding. And through skateboarding, you know, I, I would cruise around different parts of the city and I would see graffiti. And as an artist, I was drawn to the colors. I was drawn to what I was seeing. And I, I wanted to do that. I said, I want to be a graffiti artist. And I went through, you know, a series of names and found my identity eventually and, and continued with my art and, and been doing it very strongly and keeping it a part of my life and who I am. And Skid Robot was an evolving of that graffiti artist. Okay. From my life doing graffiti and, and having it part of, of, of my passions and, and who I am, uh, I was you know, and out doing graffiti when Skid Robot started, you know, that's how everything came to be. It was, I was out with, um, my girlfriend at the time and I kept expressing to her, you know, I wanted to do something different with my graffiti art, but I didn't want to do street art per se. I didn't want to do the stencil thing or, or the posters. I just wanted to do something with graffiti. You know, I still wanted to keep the element of it and I just didn't know what it was just yet. So we were cruising around Skid Row and, uh, we come up to a red light and there's a woman on the floor, uh, you know, and she points out, she's like, hey, well, why don't you paint that person dreaming of money? Because we all dream to be rich. 
And I thought the idea was brilliant. You know, I grabbed a spray can and brought it to life. And, and in that okay. moment is, is the humble beginnings of, of where it started. And in capturing that photo, you know, realizing or just kind of like having this feeling, feeling overwhelm me of, of what I was capturing as an artist, you know, who I pay attention to what's going on in the scene and in the culture, like, and capturing this, knowing that, you know, this type of art I don't think I've ever seen before. So this is something new that was just fresh and created. And uh, it was an experience because my engagement with the woman on the floor, uh, we weren't able to communicate. Like she was mentally ill and, and not able to say anything intelligible. I try to offer her money, you know, like tell her, like, don't be scared. I'm just doing some art. Like, please, you know, I'm not here to do anything bad. Just trying to, commute to communicate with her. And she couldn't say anything that I could make sense out of. So I left her some money like next to her where she was lying down and she just kind of looked at it. And it was just a really mm. odd experience in that <laughs> way, you know. Mm -hmm. So I drove away and, and, you know, I was looking at the photo. I was very amused, but then I felt very bad for the woman that was there thinking about this. Like she wasn't able to communicate a sentence to me or, you know, say anything that made sense. And she's living here on the floor on Skid Row. And to me, I just couldn't think of everybody that's abandoned her in her life, both that family and the system. Like there's there's no safety net for her. There's no place for her to go. And she's going to die on that street because no one cares and she can't even help herself. So that's the sentiment I got from the very first piece driving away mm -hmm. from that. And uh, so we turned the corner, and that's when I had seen the tent. And when I saw the tent, I, I you know, expressed earlier, like, you know, that doesn't belong in the city. It belongs in the forest. <laughs> so, you know, did the thing there, and the guy came out, and he's like, hey, what's going on out here? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm just doing some art. Check it out. And then he's like, oh, that's real cool, man. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, glad you like it. And I did a little crescent moon, you know, with a final touch and took a photo of that. And you know, his re his reaction to it, it was also another thing. I was like, oh, that guy really liked it, huh? I'm like, cool. And so we drove around and did a couple more, and that's how it all started. And, and the more I was out there, the more I became involved with the situation that was happening. And, uh, like, my humanity as a person, you know, uh, started to empathize with everyone that I was meeting. I, mm -hmm. You know, I'd introduce myself. I'd hear their story, and I'd be like, man, that's really effed up, dude. Like, if people knew that about you or knew this story, they might be more inclined to – to be empathetic, you know, and, right. and, you know, they might. So for me, like when I would post stuff, you know, whether it be like from Echo Park or downtown, like if someone were to know or see that person, they would recognize them from what I was doing, you know, and be like, oh, shit, you know. Um, and part of that is to just anybody from where they're at on their commute to work or from always see somebody that's asking for help. And nowadays in L.A., you could see it everywhere, you know, down sure. no matter what part you're in, you're going to see it. Um, so those were some of the ambitions I had set out for myself uh, originally for the project and, and things began to evolve to be more a part of the solution than just running around with a spray can and, and doing graffiti, creating the art, although that, you know, that was, that was dope. I'm definitely not knocking that, but I just said, well, you know, we got to push this further. This has to evolve. If it got this much attention, you know, through the media that I had received, you know, through Vice and HuffPo and a lot of other uh, outlets that shared the story and it went worldwide and said, well, you know what? People are connecting to this for a very strong reason. And if we're going to get to a solution, we have to envision it. And in that vision is, is where I came up with the living art project, the living art project being the, uh, the idea to use the tens of thousands of containers we have down at the port here in San Pedro and Long Beach, uh, modify them to be a emergency temporary shelter for the homeless and low income families uh, and the idea behind it is to be able to arrange them in a way uh, to that we could put flat panels on them that artists could come and paint them. So they're, they're outdoor art, art galleries that are also providing housing. 
Uh, so that's kind of where the project's goals are ultimately. And right now we're, we're just in the process of uh, planning out some installations for the holidays mm -hmm. and uh, getting that amped up again. Wow. Well, um, you know, part of my response to, to what you're telling me is just that on the one hand, you know, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of what's going on. But on the other hand, I don't know shit, man. <laughs> I mean, what I mean is there's so so much more going on that people are dealing with life creatively and trying to grapple with, you know, the things that need to be grappled with. Exactly. And, and I think, though, the, that sounds so simple to say that, and yet I think our our instinct is kind of assume, no, there isn't. Or, yeah, there's something, but it's small. No, the the... That's just not true. Mm -hmm. And I, what I would say to prove that in L.A. is the vote on the uh, – I can't remember what the name of that measure was last November, in which 76 percent of the voters said, I will take money out of my pocket, which is a step above an opinion, right? Exactly. To help house the homeless. I could point out some flaws in what that program is and all that, but that, that, that's not what they voted on. They mm -hmm. didn't vote on the flaws. So when I see this, it could be me. I don't like it. Let's deal with it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying only to say there's a big, there's a huge pool of people for political action, for artistic appreciation that has some relation to it, whatever the case may be. And on the one hand, you're this unique guy who's done some stuff maybe no one's ever done. On the other hand, there's a lot of people like you or a lot of people like me. But if we're not connected, mm -hmm. we don't have much collective power. Exactly. You know? We, we can, yeah, we state our case, which we have to do because it's what's inside us, but it's not enough. But if we can connect, maybe so, because cause there's, there's just so, there's so much of it. And so the fact, I, I used to get really surprised. Now I'm, I, I'm, kinda, I'm really taken by what you do, and I've seen, well, I haven't seen it live yet, as of yet, but I've seen pictures. It's pretty amazing. And yet... It's not amazing that tomorrow something else that I would never conceive that any human being would ever do, I'll become aware of it that I really, wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if we can make connections in a way that makes sense that actually will allow us to, to despite our differences, despite all the despites we can put in there, that we can exert our will where we do agree. And the American people want homelessness solved. That wasn't always true. Mm -hmm. God knows that wasn't always true, but I think it is true. Not all of them, of course. Our president doesn't care to do it, but um, I, I would say a majority at least. I I feel quite comfortable making that statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what you say about the seventy six percent people voting on it? It's like they voted because they genuinely do care, and and saying that I'll I'll take money out of my pocket to help the situation is where you know it, it, that shows that. If, if given a better opportunity or a better solution, uh, you know, or just given the option of creativity to be involved with how we deal with this problem and not let the same system that's kind of been dealing with the problem deal mm -hmm. with it. And we could get more community action involved from this collection that you're talking about. If, you know, there's different coalitions like the Skid Row Housing Trust and different people that do come together and uh, they all, you know, take personal action, which is to be admired and respected. And, you know, at times, though, like, big money, big power, big real estate comes in and, and, you know, just kind of blows them out the water. Of course. And if there were more of a connection, as you speak of, if there's more unity and if we're like, okay, we all have these ideas, these beliefs, and you know, but we're going to set everything aside for one common goal and this is it right here. 
you know, or come up with some type of, you know, manifesto or, or whatnot that people are like, I'm on board with this. This kind of agrees, um, but not too critical on things. And that's the thing is that conversations, differences arise and it's like, OK, well, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. And that's all good. And, you know, and there's there's tons of organizations. There's tons of, of groups of outreach groups and all that. And uh, and that's all to be appreciated. But at the end of the day, if, if we're not all under the same banner mm-hmm. against Absolutely. against big real estate, against the <laughs> political corruption, against all of these, you know, unknown forces that we don't see, you know, um, that are working against the, the favor of the people, um, then, yeah, you know, we're not really going to have a chance of winning this fight. So the other alternative is, you know, and this goes to a conversation I was having uh, at an art show with this lawyer and, you know, came up about you know skid robot and, and what can we do about the housing situation and homelessness and he had said something to the effect of you know i wish i just you know knew this billionaire who would give me hundreds of millions of dollars to solve this problem or to at least start fixing it and i told him that was the problem there is that you want somebody else to be that person when you need to become that billionaire because if you're that passionate and you feel that strongly about giving that much money to this problem then figure out how to come up with it and that's me speaking to myself like you know outside of skid robot i'm an artist an entrepreneur a bit of a mercenary i guess if you will and uh i know that for skid robot and its ambitions with the container homes and 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 using art as a solution as well as you know the latest technology 3d printing or whatever's available that the, for what for it to happen when I want it to happen is when when if I'm able to fund myself to that degree to become that billionaire who's putting in that kind of money to make these solutions a reality versus trying to ask a system like you know the politicians to like please give me money to do this which hasn't seemed to really worked out in the majority's favor in some people's favor yes but <laughs> but not in the majority's favor Absolutely. uh you know in the overall general public so for me those are my goals and ambitions is to be able to get myself uh and still exercising you know the goodness of capitalism because you know a lot of people knock it but i'd take capitalism over communism in this country any day of the week and those are just like not hardcore concrete political views but i know that you know that discussion comes up and it's like you need to understand that you know you you should take advantage of the opportunity you have to be able to have an idea and run with it and believe in it and actually make something for yourself and and you know achieve a standard of living that's comfortable based off your own hustle based off your own ideas and creativity and there's you know that's not available everywhere okay and and i think that's something to appreciate all right (laughs) Skid Robot, I'm sure people can search and find some of your art, right? Mm-hmm. And I would highly recommend that you do. You'll be glad that you did. And, again, we have this gentleman here, this very special, unique talent, some special, unique ideas, and yet he's also kind of a leading edge of a vast sea of creativity, that <laughs> much of which is hard to see at this moment. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Yeah, anybody listening, check, uh, type in Skid Robot, two words into the Google. You should uh, find the website and other links right. and whatnot. Do it. Do it. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks, Skid. Place to lay 
Cowboy cats are still mine. Powers held from up on high. I scream into the night, trying to find a way here. The bottom of the world. The bottom of the world. The bottom of the world. At the bottom of the world, there's a man who lost his wife, and they all played him. Powers pick him up on high. They pay pennies for his pride. You don't need to question why. How did he get here? Oh, oh, the bottom of the world. The bottom of the world. Blow mm -hmm. me up, shut me up, turn me in, turn me out. At the bottom of the world, it's a trap, it's a news, let me out. At the bottom of the world, it's a trap. Let me loose, let me out. All right, that's been two soul. Been two. Tell us about this song, "The Bottom of the World." What is? What do you? What does that mean? Um. As you know, I, I, I just the rest of us, the rest of us that are not making news are are the real world, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're kind of holding everything up, you know. It's like uh, if somebody pulls us out from underneath, everything on top, you know, crumbles to the ground. So we're a part of it, but we're also holding all that pressure from everything that's sitting on top of us, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, that's how you, your singing sounds like that <laughs> in a very good way, very Thank powerful you. way. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us about Everyone Eats. Everybody Eats. Uh, that's a project that I put together just on Facebook and... Uh, basically kind of talking about everything that's happening in uh, I mean in our society in this country and it's not like it's not happening everywhere else um, you know jobs are kind of like flying out the window you know whether it's mm, software that's taking the job whether it's a robot that's taking the job I mean no one is safe you know uh, uh, you know if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, they got they got a robot or they got software uh, aligned and and just about ready to go to take your job. So, you know, the question is, is like, what are we gonna do to help each other out, or are we just gonna, you know, right now in this country, it's a real like, the idea is, oh, you're supposed to just take care of yourself, you know, lift yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. And this, this is this really old school idea of like, oh, well, you know, you just got to uh, finish high school and, you know, maybe you go to a technical, some sort of technical training, you know, technical college or, you know, if you have the money, you go to college. 
Uh, but you do all of that, and then you have a career, and you do the career for 30 or 50 years, and then you die, and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that's not reality. It hasn't been reality for a really long time, like for years and years and years, like generations it hasn't been reality. Uh, so we're just uh, losing jobs all the time. And jobs in terms of, like, you know, you have a place that you know you can go to do what you're assigned, and then you get paid, and then you go back, and then you get paid more, right? But now it's like uh, everybody wants you to be a freelancer. Everybody wants you to pay for the computer yourself, uh, bring the computer to work. You know, it's every, everything's on the little person. Everything's on the person. Meanwhile, you got the people at the top who are supposed to be kind of, uh, you know, covering us all. They're they're saying, well, you know, the poor people should really be paying their part. You know, where you got big companies like Apple, nothing against Apple in terms of their products, but, you know, they're hiding money in Ireland. So to bring this together, all you know, back to Everybody Eats, the idea is to, you know, m- my idea was... I really wanted to try to create something uh, and have some collaborators with me to create something that would help, like, talk about things in terms of, like, a social safety net, you know, that is a way that, like, in a way that makes sense. Like, everybody's got to eat. Should, like, you got to ask questions. You know, like, I want to ask questions that, like, everybody... uh like, people shouldn't be able to say no to. Like, do you want children to just die and starve in the street? No? You know, like, just really easy, basic questions. Mm-hmm. Should everybody get a chance to eat? The answer for most decent people should be yes. That shouldn't be a hard question to answer. So that's that's where that came from. Uh, it's really just trying to talk about, uh, you know, ways that we can... Make sure that everybody eats, that everybody gets to eat, that people aren't starving, that people aren't living in their cars, uh, you know, even if they have a job. I mean, that's that's the situation that we've got now. Right. That's kind of why I've been working with, you know, mm-hmm. artists, United and homelessness. Like, <laughs> like we got people like having jobs, but still sleeping in their cars, you know, like this is not. This is not, you know, you you got a lot of people and you read their stories, you hear their stories, and it's like they, you know, they say, like, I did everything I was supposed to do, you know. And, and, and you know, a lot of people who are very comfortable in this country will say, you know, well, you got to do this. Oh, you didn't do that? Well, that's that's how you messed up. There you go. And it's just like, you know. We could have that attitude or, you know, we could treat each other as human beings and, and as human beings, as, as you know, like we got to care more about human beings and about then and about like for children, like in the future generations than we do about money. Right. Like Amen. we got to fix we got to fix ourselves. You know, we got to ask basic questions about what we're doing. You know, we all have to be smarter. We have to be smarter we have to be better and we have to be more humane beautiful man thank you for that powerful statement and you know i would say again uh when the hundred thousand poets and musicians for change their slogan is 
uh, peace and sustainability. So someone, you know, asks, what does peace and sustainability mean? My answer would be everybody eats, period. It's a beautiful restatement of very similar thought to me. Um, that all all that eloquence you poured into is, or you know, a little beyond me. But I certainly, <laughs> I'm, I'm not making a joke, man. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, but I certainly understood what you were saying. Uh, that's part of what makes it eloquent, right? Uh, that's beautiful. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Sitting in my tent, more time spent, defending, pretending, that everything's just okay, that I will make it through another day. Policy turns a blind eye. Do they want me to die? My bones shake worse than earthquakes. So, this is by my mistake? Say, by the hands of fate? I'll wait. Waiting to hear of something good, fairy tale endings like Robin Hood. You can't steal from the rich while they oppress the poor. They won't even let me into the store. I'm hungry, sir, I implore. Afraid of what they do not know. Here's your real reality show. Hundreds dying by the year. Am I the only one to shed a tear? This is not just my mistake. Left in the garden. Broken rake. It's something we all perpetuate. This continued misguided, misplaced hate. Maybe we can turn our eyes to our state to open up the Golden Gates. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, that was John Safari. Uh, we're coming to the end of our long and winding Golden Road here today. So, of course, we save the best for last uh, because <laughs> so we can keep those ratings up sure, in the sure, last yeah. quarter hour. <laughs> so the attentive listener has probably noticed uh, – at various times, people saying OCML or Orange County Music League, which nobody explained. Perhaps this is a bit confusing or cause for curiosity. So, John, could you uh, explain to us what the OCML is, where it came from, what it's trying to do, where is it uh, going? Of course. Um, so, yeah, you know, OCML is something that I started with my business partner uh, about four years ago, uh, December 2013. Uh, my business partner, Kevin Martin, and I basically both did shows for local bands where we tried to help get bands paid um, to play good shows to actually play in front of people that weren't just the people that they knew. Um, that kind of quickly turned into um, doing a lot of things in downtown Santa Ana as it kind of turned into a place to go. And um, through that, we ended up getting an office down there um, and uh, we saw kind of all the, the homeless that would be in the area and that kind of brought us over across the street to the Civic Center where there was hundreds of people sleeping right outside of, like, the courthouses and all the government buildings, which really didn't make any sense to me as, you, like, this is the Hall of Finance and I'm the one <laughs> feeding these people. Like, what the hell's going on here? Um, and so we started to use a lot of our musical shows and, and influence our musicians to start doing something positive for their community instead of, you know, I mean, not just writing uh, music for, for the purpose of writing music, but... Taking some time to, you know, create something for a positive change in their community or to help other people out where, you know, it really doesn't take much. You know, it just takes a little bit of attention. 
um, in order to shine a light on something that's going on. And um, artists and musicians and poets have the microphone for and comedians even as well that like people will listen to you say things that they won't listen to in a conversation or they won't like you know they just block it out right away um, because they don't want to talk about something new but when it comes through a form of art it's a little bit easier to accept something that you don't necessarily 100% agree with Um, and so through doing local shows you know doing recording music videos photo shoots all this other stuff uh, what we do you know over here on on, uh, the business side we also use that and try to shine lights on you know social issues that we have going on locally uh, namely the Santa Ana River Trail which is uh, what inspired me writing that poem that I read at the beginning of this. Um, mm-hmm. is, there's so many different causes for homelessness that you like everything that everybody says is wrong because you can't wrap it into one thing. You know, it's not because of this. It never is just this. It's because <laughs> there was this, and then there was shit. There was this thing, and then this, and then this, and it led to where we are now. And then this, and this, and this are stopping somebody from getting up. So it's a series and a repetitive, you know, a process to get there, and also to get out of it. And when nobody gives you any hope or any uh, chance or you know light at the end of the tunnel to get out of it, what, what you know, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to be down on your luck. You're not going to feel good about yourself, and it's going to be even harder for you to get out of those situations. So, um, I, I mean, like like here, 100,000 uh, artists and musicians or poets and musicians for change, that's what the platform of music and art and, and all of that have, is they are able to create change um, in a way that politics can, in a way that uh, you know a protest can't. Like, they can change the hearts and minds of people, which is the most difficult thing to do, especially through your typical... Yelling at each other, protest type thing, you know. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So basically, we started just to help uh, local bands, and it's turned into helping everybody through art and through music with the same, you know, local artists. Yeah. Well, um, my own uh, experience or observation of uh, OCML, with which you know I've had a certain degree of active involvement, is. First, I mean, John's either being a little modest or or just uh, hasn't he just forgot a few things to say. <laughs> I mean, for I mean, because what what the exact things that happen on the daily in Orange County with with these folks that's important, but they have a a network um, of over five hundred bands which have they've played shows with them, um, and that isn't like. Oh, that's a big number, so that's cool. Um, except that we need we need big numbers, and and the point isn't that OCML is going to become I don't know a Live Nation or something. I don't think that's true. I don't. I would hope it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but my 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 only point being that there's something here that's not just um, something that John and Gordon who's, and and uh, Richard just I mentioned them just because they're the people from OCML who are here today. And a few other people have the, it, the potential for moving in this way, which is the interlinked things of grappling with the problem such as homelessness and grappling with the problem of getting musicians heard and all that goes with that. There's, of course, there's a lot that goes with that. Um, it's and, and I'm. I'm sure I, I, I've asked this question one way or another or mentioned this with, with a few people here on the show today. 
is it the the thing that we face is so you, so you meet those CML people. Wow, this is a great thing, which it is. And if you check it out, I don't think it'll change your mind. And these are really cool people. OCML.us. You can check out everything. OCML.us. I heard. Um, my point being that so that's true. That's absolutely true. It's very important, and and much respect to all these folks. But the le- the other lesson to learn is in a country in which we are just met with cynicism and hatred toward all what from whatever you are. Well, here's everybody else you should hate and disrespect and think has no potential to do anything. Asinine. Wh- at, at while best. while they are all doing things that we don't know about because we've dismissed them. Um, whether there's something like just like OCML in the United States or not, I ha- actually have no idea. It doesn't even matter. There are all kind of things. I give it, I'll just pick an example out of thin air. Let's go to Anniston, Alabama. In Anniston, Alabama, if you even know anything about it, it's because you saw a picture of a bus burning there during the Freedom Rides in the 1960s, an iconic picture. You've probably noticed it or seen it without maybe knowing all about it sometime in your life. Okay, that was 50 years ago. Last year in Anniston, Alabama, there was a three-day festival of bands. Forty-some bands from the Deep South came to Anniston to play because Anniston has a very serious homeless problem. And they wanted to raise money to try to address it through, through that means. So it's not just, oh, this big thing happened in Anniston, Alabama, population 20,000, by the way. Um, it's what's the change between burning a bus to prevent integration and coming together to try to prevent homelessness. And and I don't want to romanticize it or anything because that's not the point at all. <laughs> and I'm sure there are still an awful lot of homeless people in Anniston, Alabama. But I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is there's a, mo- there's a positive motion along with – you can look at Charlottesville, which that – yes, that happened. That's a part of our history. That's a very nasty part of our history. It's still there. It's going to express itself again. But also what we never talk about is a place like Anniston, Alabama, which was worse than Charlottesville, now doing something – turning around and doing something much different. Well, you don't know what happened because well, they they're ratings. making sure you don't know about it. Yeah, exactly because they don't want – they don't want anything positive to be in the media because it doesn't get the right ratings and it doesn't com- continue to separate everybody with these, you know, like you were just saying, like these people over here and these people, like everything that they put out in the media. There was a, a mass shooting the other day that nobody heard about at a church, but it was just, it was some Somalian immigrant shooting a, a white church, so it didn't fit any of their narratives and it was stopped by somebody who had a gun. So, like, that doesn't fit their narrative either. <laughs> So they, you literally didn't hear about it. And that's just one little example of what else are you not hearing about because it doesn't fit the narrative of I'm supposed to hate you. Um, which get, that's just uh, – To yeah. take another example, a little more close to home where we're sitting right now, this radio show, not that it's – you know I'm the host so it has its limits as how good it can be. <laughs> but my point being I don't know what it feels like on the other end of this microphone – but if you were sitting in here all afternoon, the, the, the kind of human beings with their talent and their, their projection of how to solve our problems, they came through here and it has, and it has been essentially all together as one in here. 
pretty amazing. I'm going Absolutely. to go out on a limb and predict it won't be in the paper tomorrow. No, to prove a not, point about well, what we're capable of. But that's but we did prove that point. Yeah, and we need we need to internalize that so that when we get to those bumps, which are coming right up, that we don't we don't intellectually say, oh, all there is is bumps and the assholes who put them there. No, yeah, well, no. this is this is what happened here today. This is America. This is America, and, and we can take it back if we see that. And that's this something is that, that that I, you know, we especially. I mean, I know for sure for myself, but you know, all the rest of the guys in OCML, like we we know that this is what America is really like. It's not that one little group of crazy fucking people that we see on the internet or you know on TV. Like, yes, those people are nuts and they're wrong, and there's a bunch of shit going on that shouldn't be going on, but. That's not like look at all these natural disasters and all these people coming from all over. The, like that's what this country is about, and it's also about immigration, which that's another whole story that we need to fix because that's a a, a complete shit show, and we need to make it easier for people that want to come here to come here, and that we're not doing that, and that's causing a lot of issues. You know, we don't need a wall. We need a we need less of a wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Is that not what this country is? As we're talking about, this is America. Like we're all from somewhere fucking else, right? We came in here and took someone else's land. So, America. I've I've actually read a bit about 1776. There wasn't a wall. Yeah, no, no walls, no walls, and you know nobody else came here. <laughs> all right, so here we are at the end of the road. Uh, my name's Lee Ballinger. I want to say thanks again to Mike Stark and. Special guest appearance, surprise guest appearance, long story by Thrasher, helped him hold it down in the control room. Woo-woo. Uh, and all the folks that came through here today, you know, to be frank, if this was just a radio show, well, you shouldn't give a shit. But it's not just it's a, a radio, radio show. show of people who, went, who are all doing a lot of stuff. And and having this radio show makes it possible for them to center, you know, a lot. some folks did already know each other. A lot didn't. Um, you know the the uh, uh, the velocity of what we're doing will increase because we had this radio show. That's why you should care. Uh, if you find Absolutely. me charming, I don't mind. Well, thank if you, you very much. If, hey, and if you find Lee charming, by the way, he's got a podcast that he's talked about What's very that? little on this whole time. Is that the Love, Love and War. War podcast? Yeah, and he's also got a book called uh, Love and War that you can get for free, and you can message him on Facebook. Lee Ballinger. Bring um, it. That, Bring you know, it. None of this would be possible without Mr. Lee. He doesn't talk about himself much, <laughs> but he's an awesome guy. You should check him out. Network with him, and maybe you'll be on this show next year with us. I look forward <laughs> to meeting you.